We have been waiting for you. They do not want you to be here. But where others fail, you will succeed. Forget the cell. In this space, time is endless. You are now experiencing the fourth dimension. Are you ready for what lies ahead? Your mind will transcend reality. Your consciousness will be sharpened like a sword. You will lose all connection to the outside world. And nothing will ever be the same again. Welcome to the Daily Boogie. Hello, hello, good evening. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thursday night. Strap in or strap on, whatever you prefer. Oh, we're going to be busy. We're going to be so busy. So, so, so very busy. Welcome Thursday night, the free-for-all. Thanks, everybody, for joining. What an absolute pleasure to see you there. Hope you've had a lovely day. I certainly have. Hope you're loose. Hope you've got a drink poured. Hope you're ready to rock and or roll. <laughs> People saying, I'll do both. I'll do both. You. <laughs> Feeling good. Like I said, we've got a lot to get through. Got a lot to get through. Because uh, the free-for-all was cut short last week, so I've got all of last week's Twitter contributions from you beautiful people to go through, as well as this week's, plus a whole bunch of other shits going on. I don't know if you've noticed things happening in the world. Yeah. But thanks for joining. Over there on over there on Twitch, Ducks Regionus, Thirsty Thursday. Good to see you over there, bro. Thanks for populating. Thanks to the guys on YouTube and, of course, the Periscope peeps. Jesus is in the chat. Jesus uh, needs lots of drinks to get through all the nonsense. Uh, everybody, if you have a drink uh, request, Jesus is the guy to see. So please send in your send in your bottles of water to Jesus, and he will send them back exactly the way you want them. But no, like I said, lots of stuff to get through. Hope you're ready for a big one. We'll have plenty of fun along the way too. Just before we get too far down the rabbit hole, if you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting that subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course... 
If you'd like to write an executive order or perhaps subject me to some crippling sanctions, you can do so by heading over to Twitter and following at Boogie Bumper. Uh, I know many of you, probably some of you, if not most of you, watched uh, President Trump sign an executive order not that long ago. The free speech on campus executive order. Look, <laughs> the cynic in me says, well, the cynic in me knows that these kinds of executive orders are very easily overturned, which was evidenced by the timeline of events that Donald, when Donald Trump was elected, how he overturned previous Barack Obama executive orders, like lickety split, right? So I'm not getting too excited, but on you know the the optimist in me says, well, doing nothing only guarantees one result, and that's nothing happens. So at least if you do this, you give yourself some kind of chance to change something, to shift something. And maybe, you know, maybe just a little bit of a shift is all it needs. And then, you know, five, 10, 20 years down the track, we might be saying, well, this all started thanks to that executive order kind of thing. But we'll have to wait and see. You know, it took, it took the, the enemies of free speech probably 30 or 40 years to completely smother the university system and run out anybody who would think outside the box in certain certain disciplines in university, you know, the social sciences and stuff like that. So I'm not expecting it to be reversed within two years. I think that would be even a little too optimistic for the most optimistic amongst us. But it's got to start somewhere, right? got to start somewhere because if it doesn't start somewhere it'll end where it begins and it'll go nowhere sorry to speak in riddles but that's just the way it goes so we'll get into a little bit of that um we will touch base in new zealand once more see what's happening down in new zealand thanks again for people joining us at this early hour i know we you know we're more used to going on at like 11 o'clock at night so i do feel like i'm betraying the people who are up late at night but it's, I have no other way around it. As soon as I finish the show today, I have to get to work taking apart the entire studio. So it's like five monitors, three mics, five cameras, three desks, and all of it's cabled underneath all the desks and everything. And it's like, oh, God, it's going to take all day. So I had to get in and start early so I can be done. So we're getting some renovations done here. So it's going to be an absolute fucking nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> but hopefully we can just have a bit of fun over the next few hours and I won't have to think about it until the final song is playing at least. Anyway, so we'll have the usual, usual a couple of crazy stories from around the internet. Um, I want to take a look at the de-radicalization of the alt-right. I've come across an individual on YouTube who is making it their goal, making it their goal in life to de-radicalize young white men. And it's, it's one of the most, would you say, unique perspectives on how to de-radicalise young white men that I've ever seen. So I thought it would be worth casting an eye over and perhaps assessing that as somewhat of a young white man, I am, you know, the target audience, so to speak. So I'll be interested if I can be de-radicalised because obviously I'm very radical, very radical individual. I had uh, steak and salad for dinner tonight, by the way, and I put a little bit of chilli powder on it, <sighs> right? 
like to live on the fucking wild side, man. Radical young man. I did play a violent video game the other day for about half an hour. I enjoyed it thoroughly, so I am a dangerous individual that needs to be de-radicalized, obviously. Due to the content that I absorb and the actions of my daily life. So we'll get into that. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. I guess we'll kick it off. I would normally kick it off with a shredder, but I don't even think I have a shredder ready. I don't think I have a shredder. Uh, I tell you what, maybe we'll do this. Maybe we'll use this as our shredder. Let's kick it seamlessly. <laughs> just pretend like I didn't work through that live on air. So just just rewind about 30 seconds. Okay, so rewind about 30 seconds. I didn't work through that on air. Okay, ready? Go. Okay, so thanks everyone for joining us. Let's kick it off the way we like to with this. Now you face the shredder. Time for the shredder. Here we go. The dark side of YouTube, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, This one's going into the column of potential mother of the year. Mum behind popular YouTube channel pepper spray children and lock them in the cupboard. The price of fame. Wow. Uh, The woman responsible for a popular YouTube channel punished her children if they failed to perform for the camera, according to police in Arizona. What the fuck is going on in Arizona? Michelle Hackney, and Michelle is spelt like M-A shell, which I think is pretty hackney. The mother behind the Fantastic Adventures channel was charged with multiple counts of abuse, unlawful imprisonment, child neglect, and molestation of her adopted children. The Fantastic Adventures channel has 800,000 subscribers and features videos starring Ms. Hackney's children that have been watched more than 240 million times. The Arizona Republic reports police Ms. Hackney's children told police reports police Miss Hackney's children told police they were pepper sprayed and locked in a cupboard without food, water or a toilet. Local authorities have arrived at the home to find one child locked in a cupboard while six others appeared malnourished and underweight. The children have all been removed from the property. Someone in the chat asking, is that a woman? Apparently. <laughs> but how can we be sure these days? Let's be honest. Come on, let's not go. Let's not go assuming gender so early. We're only five minutes in. Come on. Um, in cases like this, uh, do we want to see a little bit of the kids? Mm. Whoa, slow down. That candy's for the gingerbread house, not your face. What? It's holiday. I can have some fun. Do you remember what happened last time when you had too much sugar? Yeah, that was a fun day. Gee. When you know the backstory, if you just watch that, right, without knowing the backstory, like the fun music, they're making a gingerbread house. It's all like, la, 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 happy, 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 happy family. But now that you know the backstory that she was pepper spraying them and locking them in cupboards and threatening them if they didn't perform for the camera, isn't it fucking creepy? Now that you hear the happy music on top, it's like the evil clown you know, dun, 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 while he's stabbing people to death. 
Now that you know the backstory, now listen to the creepy music and shit, man. It's it's like it's uh, I'm happy, I'm happy, 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 joy, joy. Please don't hurt me, mummy. That is fucking messed up. Mm. <coughs> Whoa, slow down. That candy's for the gingerbread house, not your face. What? It's holiday. Maybe the kid was eating gingerbread because he hasn't been fed in a fucking week. You sick fuck. Look at that. Miss Hackney, who also goes by her maiden name, Michelle Hobson, was earning money through the channel filmed around her house with the children. Police say the children were kept from school. YouTube now says the channel is unavailable to unable to profit from the videos while the investigation continues. Isn't that amazing? So a story like this comes out. YouTube doesn't take the channel down. They just remove the demonetization for it. <laughs> Channels have been taken down for a lot less than this. <laughs> With a lot less evidence than this as well. Yeah, the mere suggestion of a police report is often enough for a channel to be taken off YouTube. In this case, it's like, well, police are charging her with pepper spraying the children, locking them in cupboards and torturing them. It's like, no, you know what? I want to be responsible. Let's not take the channel down just yet. Let's just wait and see what happens. (laughs) Fucking unbelievable. In cases like this, I'm in favour of ironic punishment. You know, I don't like, um, you know, if you get caught with a bag of weed, you get you know, ridiculous jail sentences. I'm not a fan of over-policing, but I am a fan of ironic punishment. So I think a new YouTube channel should be created with Miss Hackney as the star, and she can be pepper sprayed in the face and have a camera stuck in her face, and as she's writhing about in pain, screaming, we can film it, put it on YouTube. We can lock her in a cupboard. It looks like she could go without a meal or two. I think would be would be fair. She'd probably appreciate it. And we can make a new YouTube channel out of that. I think it would be fantastic. A fantastic advertisement for how to become a successful YouTuber in the modern age. Sparing the children and focusing on the real celebrity. Ladies and gentlemen, that was... Now you face the Shredder. <laughs> So, like I said earlier today, President Donald John Trump, otherwise known as Hitler, Adolf Hitler, uh, in true Hitlerian form, signs an executive free speech order because, you know, those Nazis, uh, they weren't only just known as snappy dressers. They were also known to be big fans of free speech. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, apparently, the Nazis used to march in Berlin and in Munich, on behalf of free speech for everybody, you know, the Jews included, they just they just wanted everybody to have a platform. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So Donald Trump, the big Nazi, uh, signed a free speech order today for U.S. colleges. U.S. President Donald Trump on Thursday signed an executive order for linking free speech efforts at public universities to federal grants in an effort to combat what he considers a clampdown on what he considers. <laughs> it's just his opinion. Considers a clampdown on conservative students' abilities to share their views. 
Under the order, the schools will themselves certify whether they are protecting students' free speech rights, which are already guaranteed by the US Constitution's First Amendment. See, look at the writing here. They'll have to certify whether they are protecting students' free speech rights, which is already guaranteed by the US Constitution. So this is a pointless thing. This is a pointless thing that Donald Trump is doing. Everybody knows that free speech is guaranteed by the US Constitution's First Amendment. That's why you have to make an executive order, because on college campuses, they like to abuse it. They like to pretend that it doesn't. And it's not necessarily... Nobody's this stupid. Everybody knows how this works. It's not like they come out and say, you can't say that, but they will fail you if you say the wrong thing, right? Students in creative writing courses and stuff get a list of words that it's advised you don't use these terms. Advised. Sure, you can use them, but you're going to get failed, right? It's shit like that. And, you know, language policies and safe spaces. That's what we're talking about here. Not to mention when they burn fucking university halls down when people show up to speak, when they don't like the speaker. <laughs> like, are we, are we just pretending that didn't happen? Well, well like, what, what's going on here? Remember the footage? Those, those, radical, those radical proponents of free speech burning down university halls because they didn't like the conservative speaker that was showing up. Do you remember that? Ah, it was just just Donald Trump's opinion. The order requires that schools ensure they allow students to express themselves in order to receive funds from 12 federal agencies that help fund universities and colleges. Trump administration officials have suggested that the rights of speakers on college campuses have been trampled by student protesters and that conservatives have been unfairly targeted. See, the Trump administration officials have suggested. No, 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 it's not just them. And it's not just a suggestion. We saw the footage. <laughs> We've seen it. We've read report after report after report after report. We've seen all of the left-wing activists come out and say, these people don't deserve a platform. They're Nazis. They're bigots. We can't have them here. This is dangerous. This is harmful. You are hurting students when you allow these people to speak here. It's not, it's not some wacky opinion from somebody that works in the Trump administration. Don't you just love the creative the creative flair that these people who... This is Reuters, by the way. <laughs> Don't you just love the creative flair that these people use when they present these things? Oh, they've suggested. <laughs> Trump, who regularly decries the media as fake news and calls defamation laws a sham, has threatened retaliatory action related to free speech issues where he says the rights of conservatives are under attack. In signing the order at the White House on Thursday, Trump took the fight to campuses, which receive billions of dollars a year from the federal government, including more than $30 billion for research. Now we're going to see how much they really, how much they really care about safe spaces. Let's see how much they really care about students' feelings now. Eh? Here's, I've got to, bye-bye money. Say bye-bye. Here's a check. No check for you. <laughs> All of these fucking peasants that get up there and local campus papers and on campus radio and stuff. We need to protect our students from the harmful, damaging, racist rhetoric of these right-wing extremists. And it's like, well, you're not going to get your check. It's like, 
We need to expose our students to all kinds of speech and ideology. <laughs> I guarantee it. They're going to flip like that. It reminds me, do you remember, um, I forget which university it was, uh, they were protesting against the Rhodes Scholarship because the Rhodes Scholarship was named after a guy named Rhodes who apparently was a big racist 200 years ago or something. And uh, they wanted to tear down his statue and everything. So what happened was a bunch of the benefactors of this university, a bunch of the people who, you know, former students and stuff who donate money to the university, like to the tune of millions of dollars, uh, they came all came out and said, if you take down that statue, we're not giving you any more money. And the next day, the university came out and said, we've reassessed our stance on taking down the statue and we've decided it's not in the best interest of the school. <laughs> It's like all of a sudden, all of these people who are willing to throw themselves in front of, you know, bulldozers in jungles to, to protect trees, their their principles and their, you know, their commitment to the progressive agenda is about as, about as thin as a check, you know. <laughs> and, you know, they flipped quicker than it took the ink to dry on the check, which was paying their salary. Universities that want tax dollars should protect free speech, not silence free speech. Uh, let's check out a little bit of Trumpy today. Here's a lit interesting little tidbit for you. I want you to watch something. This I've I've taken the video to when you know the the rest of the people are walking out to stand up on the stage. Tell me if you notice anything here. Tell me when you notice what I noticed. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna take it as long as it takes. Whoever has the gig of playing soft piano music, by the way, in the White House has to be the luckiest man on earth. Like, I, I don't know if we're waiting for the president or waiting for an entree. Now, see, this is nine minutes into this video, okay? Nine minutes in. Let's skip ahead. This is 12 minutes in. <laughs> nobody's nobody's talking. <laughs> Everyone's just standing there. 12 minutes in. Okay, this is 14 minutes in. <laughs> For the guys who have, for the guys who have gotten married in the house, for the guys in the house who have previously been married, you know what this feels like. You're standing around waiting, waiting, waiting. It's getting late. You're getting nervous. For to say, we've now been standing here five minutes awkwardly, without saying a word to each other. Isn't it surreal? I thought I was watching American Gothic. With that weird piano music in the background, listen. It's so quiet, you can hear the soles of the, the guy's feet as he walks around on the floor. Isn't it eerie? Like, we're signing an executive order for free speech and nobody's fucking talking. 14 and a half minutes in. 
This is 16 and a half minutes in. got to be the most awkward thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> okay. 18 and a half minutes in. I don't know if I could still be standing there after this amount of time. I might be like, you know what? I'm just going to duck out back for a cigarette. I'm going to duck out back for a cigarette. You holler when the president walks in. I'm just going to go for a quick pipe, bro. No one's fainted yet. (laughs) in the chat. Okay. 21 minutes in. It is so awkward. (laughs) Why do they have to stand there for 20 minutes waiting for this guy? I'd be like President Schmezident. I've had enough of this. I wouldn't wait this long to buy milk. I wouldn't wait this long to buy a ticket for a blockbuster movie. This is insanity. 23 minutes in. (laughs) Exactly. Someone's in the chat like, I'd be asking, are you sure he's coming? Are we in the right place? Like you just imagine President Trump arguing with an Uber driver now. I said, take a left at Pennsylvania Avenue, you dumb migrant idiot. No, he wouldn't say that. He'd say, I love you. I love all migrants. Do you want a job? 25 minutes in. (laughs) We've now been standing here for 25 minutes. (laughs) Not talking, not moving. Oh my God. It's torture. This is more torture than that first story. I'd, at this point, I'd rather be pepper sprayed and locked in a cupboard, wouldn't you? And all the while, that eerie piano mu- mu- uh, music just playing in the background. <laughs> if you were at a restaurant waiting for an entree, you'd be berating the waiter now. 27 minutes in. Here he comes. Look at them all jump up. (laughs) Look how quick they get to their feet. As if to say, hallelujah, thank fucking Christ, the guy made it. Look at this. Look, Look how quickly they all jump up. As soon as that trumpet starts blaring. Is he coming? Can you see him yet? Can you see him yet? Is he coming? Is that him? I think I see him. Can you see him? I can't see him. Can you see him come? Is that him? Is that him? Dorothy, is that him? Do you see him? I don't see anything. Shut up. 
You shut up, bitch. I think that's him. <gasps> watch him. Watch him. Warrior. Ready to go. It's about time. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States. And then he makes him wait again. <laughs> there he comes. Here he comes. I kind of like it though, too. It's like, what time is the president getting here? When he gets here. He fucking decides. He decides when the meeting starts. He decides when the press conference starts, not you. What time are you arriving, Mr. President? Trump time. Trump time, baby. Thank you very much. Please be seated. Please be seated. Yeah, no problem. To welcome so no many problem, you son of a bitch. I've been sitting here for the last 45 the minutes. It's a very exciting day. <laughs> what we're doing is very important. And we're here to take historic action to defend American students and American values. They've been under siege. In a few siege. moments, I will be signing an executive order to protect free speech on college campuses. Just the thought of it sounds good. We're grateful. <laughs> for We're very, We're very grateful, grateful to be joined, to be joined today, today by Secretary, Secretary of Education, Education Betsy, Betsy DeVos. DeVos. Betsy, Betsy where, where are you, Betsy? Hi, Betsy. Hi, Betsy. And Secretary. Hi, Betsy. Really great job. We have prescription <laughs> drug drug spices, spices coming, coming down, first time in 51 years. So, Alex Azar, thank you very much, Alex. We've got uh, better. I'm, I'm sure the university students are very pleased to hear about the cheap drugs. That's one way to get in the students' good books. By the way, kids, drugs are a lot cheaper these days. You'll be pleased to know. You'll be able to stay awake all night studying for that big paper. Yes, sir. Adderall. <laughs> Bargain basement Adderall coming your way. Most importantly, let me thank all of the college students and recent graduates here Hi, Betsy. with me on stage, incredible young people. These courageous Americans have stood up for the forces of... Dr. S, good to see you again. Uh, she says in the chat, <clears throat> pardon me, when he announced this, I literally cried happy tears so hard. I believe there is a prescription medication for that, if you're interested, if you're interested. Uh, shout out to Betsy DeVos. By the way, we've got cheap prescription drugs, Betsy. You'll be pleased to know. <laughs> Political, Political indoctrinations, <laughs> and they really stood up to it, too, like very few people have been able to. Censorship and coercion. You refuse to be silenced by powerful institutions and closed-minded critics, of which there are many. You face down intimidation, pressure, and abuse. You did, you did it because, because you, love you love your country, your country and, you and you believe in truth, in truth justice, and freedom. and freedom. And I want to thank you all, everybody in the room, including, including a lot of folks in the audience, Charlie. It's just not a press conference unless you've got a pretty college-aged blonde behind you, I think. Trump, Trump school of optics. 
lot of, a lot of folks. You You've fought, fought bravely for your rights, and now you have a president who is also fighting for you. I'm with you all the way. In America, the very heart of the university's mission is preparing students for a life as citizens in a free society. But even as universities have received billions and billions of dollars from taxpayers, many have become increasingly hostile to free speech. Sorry about the echo. First Amendment, you see it all the time. You turn on the news and you see things that are horrible. Karen, good to see you. Karen raises an interesting point. Uh, conservatives are so attractive, unlike nasty lefties. We actually know, like we have scientific evidence. <clears throat> one of the many great things, one of the many great things, one of the many great studies going on at universities around the world today. And there was a uh, there was a study that came out, I think, in like 2015, something like that, something around about. And they actually rated the attractiveness based on ideology. <laughs> and so they found out that conservatives are more attractive than liberals. And apparently conservatives have more um, more fulfilling sex lives as well. You'll be pleased to know. Sorry, Libs. You see, you see people, people being, being punched, punched hard in the face. In the face. But, he but he didn't go down. <laughs> Donald Trump endorses violence. He's a Nazi who supports free speech. Oh. 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 Nazi supporting free speech? Why? Why not? Why not? Candace Owen get, Candace Owens gets called a white fucking supremacist. Why can't a Nazi support free speech today? The truth is fluid, baby. I said, I said you have a better chin than Muhammad Ali, and he had a. <laughs> <laughs> and you see the cowbell scene. You saw that horrible scene. That was a disgraceful thing at a school, at a university. Under the guise of cowbell codes and safe spaces and trigger warnings, these universities have tried to restrict free thought, impose total conformity, and shut down the voices of great young Americans like those here today. So true. So true. I didn't. I didn't get a degree in university. I did a little study. I didn't get a degree. Um, I quit. <laughs> and when I signed up, it was it was in writing. I don't, but I'd already been writing at this time for a while. So, like, I I really just did it to you know pick up what what they're doing, what the kids are doing these days. So I signed up for like one semester. And, um, you know, just to see what lingo they're using, what references they're using, what, like, what different writing tones and stuff that they're using now. Because I just, I would, I'd already been writing at that point for years, so. And they present you, like, in these writing courses, they present you materials, like reading materials, reference materials. And because I was a little bit older... And I felt so sorry for like the 18 and 19 year old kids who are in this class because they don't know any better. They don't, they just trust whatever the professor tells them. And if, if I got 10 
pieces of material to study, to, you know, draw from and then utilize in my own work. Eight of them were like pure Marxism. And I'm not even joking. Like we had uh, three chapters from the Communist Manifesto. (laughs) And, you know, it it was after that actually when I I thought to myself, you know what, why are we sending kids straight from high school into university? Maybe it should be like, maybe it should be like a two-year gap. You can't go to university until you're 20 years old. Make it 21, right? In the United States, especially, because you can't drink till you're 21 in a lot of places. So let's make higher learning 21 as well. You know what I mean? And so you have to spend a few years out in the world working, learning how to take orders, understanding capitalism, right? Working your way up in a company. Maybe after a few years, you'll decide that you don't want to go to university and get that pointless degree because you've already made strides in your business. You know, you've already been promoted a couple of times and you think, well, you know, is that basket weaving degree that's going to cost me $80,000? Is that really something that I should do? Is that really going to be worth it? Yeah, people, uh, yeah, military service, I'm like, yeah, I'm not sold on military service either, to be fair. I think a couple of years of working, you know, in the economy before you go to university would probably help. It would probably help beat a lot of the socialism out of these kids because they already get pounded. See, we call it primary school. So like kindergarten to year six and then high school. And you guys have a different thing. Uh, High school is like year seven to year 12 and then you go to university. But all of that is prep for university. So by the time you get to university, you're probably like 80% socialist already. And university is just embedding it, cementing what you've already been taught in high school about, you know, the particular the particular view of how the world works. You've only had that one view sh- shoved down your throat for 12 years up to that point. So a few years out in the real world, you know, doing a job, like I said, taking orders, understanding, you know, how business works, your role developing skills, learning how to interact with people, understanding transactions, money, you know, showing up on time, shit like that. I think that's good enough. I, You know, the issue I would have with military service is, I mean, I'm not sure that there's a lot of people that would flourish in that environment. Sure, there is a lot of, of people that would flourish in that environment, but I'm somebody that's like mandatory military service. I would, I would get, I would almost not do it just to just for the just to say fuck you you know military fucking mandatory military service fuck you and i know a lot of kids would be like that so i'm i'm sure it probably worked in bygone eras but i'm not necessarily sure that it would work now and it might actually you know the whole reason that we don't have mandatory uh, military service now is because a lot of the people who went through mandatory minimum uh, military service when they were old enough to get into government they fucking ended it (laughs) you know what i mean so i think military should always be a choice that somebody makes and it's an honorable choice but uh forcing people into it yeah i i think it takes a bit of the honor out of it too do you know what i mean if you're forcing everybody into military service, then is it really a special thing that people decide to do for love of country and for honour and shit like that? Or is it just, or are they just showing up to get their name checked off? I think it cheapens it. But I could be wrong. That's just my view. Uh, <clears throat> speaking of uh, free speech, 
This came out about a year ago. Should hate speech be protected as free speech? I watched the first 30 seconds of this and I thought, oh, on a day like this, this is going to be fucking magic. So let's see what it is. We'll watch it together. Ah, free, free speech. speech. It's the, it's thing, the thing everyone, everyone thinks, thinks they, value they value until they hear something they don't like. And today, we're going to get into the nitty-gritty of the free speech battles happening ah. on college campuses. <laughs> it's something they think they're in favour of until they hear something they don't like. Well, that's not true. I already know that I don't like this, but I'm, you know, I still like free speech, baby. Stick it to the man. Twenty seventeen was a big year for free speech. White nationalist <laughs> rallies. Twenty seventeen was a big year for free speech. Fucking hell. What about 1776? <laughs> what about when the Magna Carta was signed? How about those big years for free speech? 2017? I'm not sure in, you know, in the year 2300, they're going to look back in 2017 and go, that was a big year for free speech. That was the year when it all came together. Yeah, someone just wrote PBS, laugh my ass off. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> The Take a Knee movement. Speaking of government funding, here's PBS telling us why free speech is awful. Sparked tons of media attention and controversy. College campuses across the country, including where we are now and where I went to school, UC Berkeley. Oh, yeah. yeah, she equated she equated the white supremacist rally in Charlottesville to um, Colin Kaepernick taking a knee. <laughs> that's why it was a big deal. That was why, that's why it was a big year for free speech. Because Colin Kaepernick, see, again, if if Colin Kaepernick had spent a couple of years working at fucking McDonald's or something before he went into before he went into the NFL, he would know that uh, free speech is fine. But if you sign a contract to to perform a particular job, like say I can't work at McDonald's and then say to a customer "fuck you" and give them the finger and say that's my fucking free speech, motherfucker. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> if the employer wants you to perform uh, you know in a certain way t- so as to fulfill the <laughs> fulfill the contractual arrangements that you have previously agreed to then that's what you do and if your employer is like you know what uh you taking a knee is actually hurting our business so you you're all by all means see this is this was the dumb thing about people saying the Colin Kaepernick thing was about free speech it, it wasn't if it's about free speech then tear up your contract go stand outside the stadium and take a knee then, then it's about free speech. Nobody's stopping. Nobody's stopping you from taking a knee. Nobody's stopping you about speaking out against you know the American flag or police brutality or anything like that. So it wasn't a protest. It was a PR stunt. If it was a real protest, if it was a real protest, you wouldn't be wearing the fucking uniform and you wouldn't be taking the money. You know when people protest when they go on strike, they don't get paid, Colin. They're not entitled to a paycheck when they go on strike, mate. So if you were really striking and if you were really making a statement, it's easy. Go in there, tear up the contract, and then go stand out the front. Of this, go march in front of the police station if you want to. By all means, go. But you're being paid to play football, and the football field is your office. This is your place of employment. And your employer has certain rights as well such as expecting their employees to do what they're paid to do. 
which is play football. <clears throat> so he could have he could have protested very easily. Like, could you imagine how much more powerful it would have been if Colin Kaepernick had have gone in there, tore up his own contract, and said, "I refuse to take the money from this organization, and I'm gonna I'm gonna dedicate my life, or I'm gonna protest on behalf of my brothers and sisters." Then then it's a statement. Then it's a protest. Then all of a sudden, like it's legitimate. And everyone's going to be like, God damn it, that Colin Kaepernick, he really believes in this shit. You know what I mean? He really believes it. Good on him. Maybe he's got a point. If someone's willing to go that far for their beliefs, then fucking I need to know more, right? But if you're taking the money and wearing the jersey and then just just kneeling during the anthem and then getting up and playing like nothing's happening, then what's the point? Everyone's going to be like, ah, he's full of it. It's a show. It's a PR stunt. And they'd be right. <laughs> and the Take a Knee movement sparked tons of media attention and controversy. College campuses across the country, including where we are now and where I went to school, UC Berkeley, Go Bears! Are <laughs> you can tell this is a very serious commentary on free speech on university campuses. Go Bears! Woo! What did she say about free speech? Go Bears! Who cares what she said? at the center of this free speech debate. It's the same story. Why does it have to be so dumbed down? Why does it have to be so poppy and happy? Hey! Hi, my name's Boogie Bumper, and I'm out here in front of my university, Berkeley. Go Bears! And we're talking about whether it's cool or not to have free speech. You know, 2017 was a huge year for free speech. We had the Charlottesville... We had Colin Kaepernick taking knee. Like, free speech is, like, so debated right now. Go Bears! Like, why does it have to be that way? Is is this the only way to get the college people engaged in a discussion about whether free speech is important or not? Is this is this what it takes? Is this where we're at? I, gu- I guarantee you all of them are going to have an opinion on Donald Trump signing an executive order to remove funding from campuses that don't protect free speech. They're going to be like, I, oh, you're a fucking Nazi. <laughs> you know what I mean? Over and over again in the news, protests Everything erupt over A-okay. a popular speaker who comes to campus, sometimes shutting him down and sometimes resulting in violence. And this draws a divisive line between people who want to... <laughs> sometimes resulting in violence. <laughs> Oh, you made all those you you made all those motherfuckers in black masks who throw Molotov cocktails at the building. Is that the violence you're talking about? You know, go bears. Sometimes when conservative speakers show up at university, like my university, Berkeley, go bears. Sometimes uh, it it ends up being violent. Like <laughs> it's so crazy. So crazy, but then when these conservatives come, when these conservatives come to town, violence just happens. You know, you know what I'm saying. You feeling me, bro? Yeah, it's so crazy. Oh my god. Limit controversial speech at campuses, and those who believe that anyone should have a right to speak freely, no matter how extreme their views. What exactly? No matter how extreme their views, I think I think restricting people on college campuses from speaking is an extreme view. When when did that get reversed? When did that get flipped around? You know, some people want to stop controversial speakers from showing up on campus and other people want people, anybody to speak, no matter how extreme their view is. Can we talk about how extreme it is to stop people from speaking in a country that values free speech? Can we talk about that? 
like if you want to talk about extreme views, then not letting somebody speak is pretty fucking extreme. I would have thought. But then how how did that get flipped around? Now if you're if you want everybody to have the ability to speak to an audience, you're the extremist. You see you see the little subtle switcheroo that goes on here? It's like uh three card Monty. You know, it's like the cup and the ball game. Follow the ball, follow the ball, follow the ball. Oh, sorry, you're an extremist. You're an Nazi. Wanna try again? Wanna play again? It'll cost you. <laughs> Jesus in the chat. Milo, a gay dude married to a black guy is an extremist white supremacist, of course. What does free speech mean on college campuses? What does First, free speech some mean? background. Yes. Freedom of speech is protected under the First Amendment <laughs> of the U.S. Constitution. It basically means the government cannot arrest or punish you for speaking your mind. You're totally free to bash whatever or whoever you want. The See, it president, goes to bashing. Congress. See, it just, it straight away goes to bashing. Goes to bashing. Because if you're in favor of free you see, this shit is so subtle. But once you see it, you can't unsee it. If you're in favor of letting everybody speak, no matter what their view is, then you must be in favor of insulting people or bullying. Like, it must be something negative that you're saying. The other thing here is the how we define these things. So we know now that bashing somebody with speech, quote unquote, can really be defined as, you know, bringing up inconvenient facts that people don't like to hear. That can that can be bashing. That can be, you know, bullying, right? Chris, tech bros, decaf coffee, Florida. Anyway, the point is the government can't come out. I, I bash Florida regularly and I continue and I hope to be able to continue to do so. Are you for it? The founding fathers thought this was fundamental to democracy and they were right. Without free speech, there couldn't have been the civil rights or women's uh -uh. rights to vote movements. Well done, young lady. And who knows, maybe our next president will be a woman. But to be clear, free speech just applies to government and government entities, which uh -huh. are places that are funded by your tax dollars at work, folks. Uh -huh. And yes, public universities fall into this category. Private companies, on the other hand, can censor you all they want. Yeah. That's why ESPN, for example, can fire a sports anchor for saying something that goes against their company policies. Yep. But that anchor can't get arrested for what she said. Or the NFL could make a rule banning players from kneeling, but players couldn't get arrested if they chose to do it. True. But there are some limits to free speech, like blackmail, making a threat, soliciting a crime, inciting violence, lying under oath, and violations of copyright are some of the things that are not allowed. <laughs> violations of copyright. <laughs> like, really? See, uh, so they're going to say, well, there's some limitations to speech because you can't copy somebody else's work and then put it out as your own and make money from it. So they, therefore, free speech doesn't really exist. I've never really. I've. I'm. I'm. A free. I'm a free speech extremist. I don't believe in the inciting violence one either. Because for me, the we're going to get into the story about Jordan Peterson. A bookstore in New Zealand has taken Jordan Peterson's books off the shelf because of the shooting. I don't know why. I don't know why. I think they have. Um, I think they see an opportunity just to take him down, you know, take the book off the shelf because they probably don't like it and they're using it. And again, private company, they don't have to sell his book. That's fair enough. I, I get insulted by the reasoning, you know, like this is a this is a bullshit reason. Just tell the truth. Just say you don't want to sell it because you don't like what he fucking says. 
people will respect that. It's like, oh, we're taking it down in response to the shooting. It's like, why do you have to equate it to the shooting? But the inciting violence stuff, like, I wouldn't even go that far. Because for me, the the responsibility is on the person who's committing the act. Do you know what I mean? Like, I can watch a speaker who says, I want you to go out there and kill all these people. It doesn't mean I'm going to do it. Like, why, why, why is the assumption that, you know, if you hear somebody saying that, you know, a violent act needs to take place, that everybody's just going to run out and start doing it? <clears throat> I don't think that makes much sense. To, the, the, the person who commits the act should be prosecuted. Yeah, not the person saying that a violent act should be committed. I, I, don't, I don't get that. It shifts responsibility. Incitement clause means people have no free will. And coming from Jesus, that means something. But you see my point. The responsibility is always on the person who's throwing the punch, not the person who says, go and punch that guy, as far as I'm concerned. But like I said, I'm a bit of a free speech extremist, so... And here's where a lot of the controversy Extreme on college radical. campuses comes in. Hate speech. Like this person who feels strongly that college campuses should be no place for hate. Racism isn't welcome. Bigotry isn't welcome on this campus. And we can't set a precedent for giving people who are espousing hatred to have a platform on this campus. She hates racists. Isn't that hate speech? She hates bigotry. Isn't that hate speech? I, I hate peas. You know, peas? Can't stand them. Disgusting little demonic vegetable. Is that hate speech? Hate speech. It's like, fuck Milo Yiannopoulos, that white supremacist motherfucker. He deserves to be run out of town and drawn, strung up by his neck. Fucking hate Nazis. Hate bigots. By the way, I'm not in, I, I'm against hate speech. Really? <laughs> way, to, way to sell the drama. Campus. But the truth is, when it comes to giving speeches to crowds, for the most part, hate speech is protected. And just so we're all on the same page here, hate speech usually refers to attacks on people based on uh, their race, religion, uh, sexual orientation, gender disability, and the like. See, this is the problem. It's always about definition. Define attack. What do you mean by an attack? See, what if you say that, um, you know, people of a particular gender displacement are more susceptible to suicide? Would that be an attack on the person? And they would say, well, it depends on the context, which is BS. It depends on who's saying it. That's the problem. We had, a, we had an issue here not long ago where um, a morning show host, a popular one, brought up um, statistics about the Aboriginal community, right? And they said, oh, she she went on a racist tirade. But the week before, they had somebody from that community bringing up the very same statistics, and they said, she's fi finally somebody shining a light on these statistics, right? And it's because the morning show host was, you know, a middle-aged white woman. She's not allowed to say it. It's hate speech when she says it. When somebody else says it, well, it's perfectly fine. So it's an attack. It, it, it depends on who's saying it, not what's said. And that's a problem. We need to get rid of that shit.
I mean, if it's all about equality, then it shouldn't matter who's saying what, right? So, a speaker can totally say racist, homophobic, or mean-spirited things about groups of people. I mean, hey, that's pretty messed up. Oh, it's pretty... See, again, like, attacks on people, right? So, okay, here's another example. Why, why is it that um, I can, you know, be a teenager growing up down here in Australia and listen to, you know, top 40 music and hear the word nigger repeatedly, like, every time I listen to music? Like, have CD collections with people saying nigger, 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 nigger. But if I say the word nigger, I'm a horrible person. So, like, it was, oh, well, I'm, I'm a, you're attacking, you're a racist. It's like, well, hang on. There's there's white kids growing growing up here on the other side of the world who have grown up with that music. They call each other nigger. You know what I mean? Because it depends on who's saying it, not what the word is. Same goes with words like fag. A gay guy can say it. A straight guy can't. Right? So I, I don't like this because this this is a lie, hate speech. It's a it's a it's a fallacy in of itself. It should be hate speech with an asterisk, depending on who's saying it. Then at least then you're being honest. If you say hate speech exists when somebody who says something who hasn't been approved by society to say that certain thing says it, then we can agree. Okay, that's what hate speech is. When the wrong person says the wrong thing, when the right person says the wrong thing, it's the right thing to say. Then hate speech just goes out the window. Then it doesn't exist. Religion, sexual orientation, gender disability, and the like. So, a speaker can totally say racist, homophobic, or mean-spirited things about groups of people. I mean, hey, that's pretty messed up. But it's also not illegal. It's super hard for someone to get punished for hate speech when speaking to a crowd. Basically, it can only happen if this speech immediately and intentionally provokes a crowd to commit a crime. So, for example, who's ready to rock? Not me. It's like if you're in a band and you and you command the audience to go wild and somebody gets stomped to death in the melee, are you then responsible? Question. Open question. I'd be fascinated to hear what you think. If you're on stage and you command the audience to go wild to a song and the audience starts going wild and then somebody falls over and gets trampled to death because the audience is going wild, should the, is the person inciting violence up on stage? Yes or no? If you say no and you agree with laws around incitement to violence, then you're a fraud. Then you don't really mean it. Then you mean it as insofar as a certain person says a certain thing, not what the definition of an incite incitement to violence actually is, right? That's why it's much better just to have black and white rules, yes or no. A KKK leader is allowed to give a speech saying lots of terrible things about different races. But what would be illegal is if the speaker pointed to someone in the crowd and yelled, attack that person, and then the crowd actually did. Now it's super easy to hate hate speech. It's mean, offensive, <laughs> and can really hurt the people it's directed at. <laughs> Sorry. I didn't mean to laugh then, but I just love, like, the... It's like teenage stuff. It's super easy to hate hate speech. <laughs> it's so super easy, guys. I'm sure she's a lovely person. I'm sure she's incredibly intelligent.
Whoever wrote this script, though, needs a clip around the ear. Shit, did I just incite violence? Fuck. Fuck. Sorry. What about Punch a Nazi? Is that inciting violence? Yes or no? For, for my Democrat comrades in the audience, is Punch a Nazi inciting violence? Just a question. But there's a good reason why it's protected. Think about it. Do you really want to put the power in the hands of the government to decide what they consider hateful? Say we've got a president that finds hilarious parody videos like these SNL clips to be hateful and decides to make them illegal. You know, I actually love football. I could have played. People say I remind them of an NFL player because I'm combative. I like to win and I might have a degenerative brain disease. It's not really that funny from Alec, to be fair. It's not the best impression. Oh my God, what happened? What happened was you made Barack Obama angry. And when you make Barack Obama angry, he turns into The Rock Obama. I mean, it wouldn't be America if we couldn't make fun of our own president. Okay, let's go back to college campuses for a second. Please do, public that's the point of the video. like where we are now, UC Berkeley, are public entities because they're funded by US tax dollars. So a public university can't deny any speakers based on their views, no matter how crazy or extreme they are. In fact, last year, Auburn University tried to get white nationalist Richard Spencer to stop speaking on campus, but a federal judge ruled that that was a violation. See, this is bullshit too, because they found a loophole though. They found a loophole. The loophole is they say to the speaker, um, <clears throat> we can't guarantee the safety of the audience because another group says, oh, if you have this speaker on, we're going to riot, we're going to cause mischief, we're going to tear down barricades, we're going to block people coming in, we're going to be generally making an ass of ourselves. So then the university goes back to the speaker and says, well, we can't guarantee the safety of our students, therefore we can't let you speak. So <laughs> we all know this stuff. We all know we all know this stuff. So I, I hate I hate the manipulation. Well, we a college can't stop anybody from speaking. Bullshit. Of course they can. They just do it a different way. There's when there's a will, there's a way. Of his constitutional First Amendment rights. But things get complicated when student or public safety is involved. There you go. Like there when it is. Had to dish out six hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> yes, that's over half a million dollars. When conservative speaker Ben Shapiro wanted to come to campus. Could universities just use a threat of violence to shut down speakers whose views they don't agree with? Could. They do. And who should bear the cost? The universities? The speakers? Or a combination? How about the people showing up committing the violence? Again, put the responsibility on the people doing it, not anybody else. It's not the speaker's fault that, you know, thousands of rabid individuals want to show up and cause mayhem. It's not his fault. It's their fault. Is, is, is the speaker inciting violence in the people that hate him? At that point. Serious question. Nation of both. Free speech advocates believe a university must do everything in its power to allow and protect speakers. One of the most outspoken advocates is Robert Reich, an economist and professor at Berkeley who's known for his liberal views. We see him all the time on the news advocating for free speech for some of the, the people he disagrees with the most. I tell my students all the time the best way to learn something is to talk to people who disagree with you because that forces, uh, that forces you to sharpen your views and test your... God, wouldn't you love it if there was a Robert Reich III? God, please, please let it happen. <laughs> <laughs> Please let there be a Reich the third. The third Reich. Come on. Come on, Jesus. Jesus is in the chat. Can you make this happen, please? Can you please make there be one day a Robert Reich the third? 
views, and you might even uh, might even come out in a different place. A, a university of all places is the is the is the is locus where we want to have provocative views. And do you really want administrators deciding who's offensive? I mean, where do you draw the line on hateful speech? If a liberal campus decides to ban Spencer, could a conservative campus? I would ban Spencer just for that haircut. God, it's hideous. It looks like he's auditioning for a role in Grease Lightning the musical. You know what I mean? What the hell are you doing, Richard? Dick? What are you doing, Dick? Jesus Christ. Why, why can't you just have a buzz cut like a normal Nazi and be done with it? Campus decide to ban Colin Kaepernick or Hillary Clinton? Censorship goes both ways. So, what do you think about all this? How should universities handle controversial speakers? Let us know in the comments below, and thanks for watching. Thanks for watching. Go Bears! Jordan B. Peterson's bestseller pulled from New Zealand bookstore in response to massacre. Author's work ironically offers blueprint on how to create a world with fewer mass shooters. Whitcalls, a large New Zealand bookstore, has responded to the Christchurch massacre by banning the work of clinical psychologist Jordan B. Peterson. And a lot of people, I suspect, in the audience are saying, how is this a response to a shooting? <laughs> How is, how is this a response to the shooting by banning Jordan Peterson's book? <laughs> we here at the bookstore have taken the hardline approach in response to the horrific shooting that saw 50 innocent people gunned down in cold blood by banning a Canadian psychologist's book. Right, right. Sure you have. Sure you have. Good response, bro. The author of 12 Rules for Life, An Antidote to Chaos, literally has a chapter that covers the dark psychology of mass shooters and how to create a world with fewer of them, but his words will no longer be found on store shelves. <laughs> God. Just, it's like, it's like after one of these events, people just fucking lose their minds, man. I don't know. Independent journalist Tim Poole shared an email by the company Thursday which described a decision made in light of some extremely disturbing material being circulated prior, during and after the Christchurch attacks. As a business which takes our responsibilities to our communities very seriously, again, again, we went over this in the show yesterday, you know, we had, um, you know, some cyber cop coming out and saying social media companies need to protect the society. No, they don't. We didn't vote for social media companies to protect us. Actually, quite the opposite. We we engaged in social media from the get-go because we understood that it was like a dangerous space where people with conflicting ideas come together and hash it out. That's the appeal of it. If you make it a safe space where people are protected from things, then nobody's going to be fucking interested. And here, this is a br brutal reality, whether people want to admit it or not. Uh, hardcore Democrats on the left who think that, you know, social media should be a safe space and only those who agree with them should be allowed to participate, they'll soon get very bored if they don't have outrage bandwagons to jump on. Trust me. Trust me. If, if there's no reason to be on, if there's no conservatives to rail at and be outraged by and quote tweet and say how racist they are on social media, then they'll just go to where the racists are. 
once you get rid of all the people of a particular view off a platform, then all of those who define their daily existence by scrolling through news feeds and jumping on outrage bandwagons will just go to where the outrage is. They're not going to sit back and go, finally, social media has been cleansed of all those horribly offensive ideas. Now we can relax. Now we can, you know, progress. It's not going to go down like that. They're just going to go and find where the outrage is and then jump on it again and ruin another platform. <laughs> <clears throat> I mean, it's evidenced in the fact that, see, because they're not interested. When people when people rally out the front of universities to stop people like Milo Yiannopoulos, and you don't even have to be a big fan of Milo Yiannopoulos, I, I think he's like an entertaining, funny guy. But I don't, I don't read his books. I don't go and watch him speak. You know what I mean? I was like, meh. When I see him, I think he's cheeky, like a cheeky, funny dude. And that's about as far as I go with him. But <coughs> the people who protest out the front of universities to stop people from speaking, they they don't have any intention of hearing them speak. Like their, their role is to stop you from hearing it. They don't want other people to hear it. It's got nothing to do with what they want and what they want to hear and what they want to listen to. They're stopping other people from listening to stuff. So if all of if all people on social media of a particular bent of a particular ideological bent get kicked off a platform and then go to another platform and then start speaking, the people are going to follow them and try to shut that down because their their job isn't to be free and protected from dangerous ideas. Their job is to stop you from hearing it. Their job is deciding for you what is what should be heard and what shouldn't. They don't listen to it. They want to stop you from listening to it. So they'll just follow the people around, whichever, whatever platform gets created. And if all the people of a particular view go to that platform, then those who think that the people who speak need to be stopped because it's dangerous if people hear them are just going to follow them to that platform and do it all over again. Mr. Peterson's Rule 6 for Life titled Set Your House in Perfect Order Before You Criticise the World specifically addresses the Sandy Hook Massacre and the Columbine shootings as follows. For such individuals, the world of experience is insufficient and evil, so to hell with everything. Whenever we experience injustice, real or imagined, whenever we encounter tragedy or fall prey to the machinations of others, whenever we experience the horror and pain of our own apparently arbitrary limitations, then te the temptation to question being and then to curse it rises foully from the darkness. Well, not no more it doesn't. Because JP has been kicked off. He's been POQ'd. Uh, this happened, by the way, in New Zealand. Six days. That's how long it's been since the deadly mosque shooting in New Zealand, which took the lives of 50 innocent people. And it took just six days for Prime Minister Jacinda uh, Ardern to announce a nationwide ban on all military-style semi-automatic weapons. The guns used in this terrorist attack had important distinguishing features. They had the power to shoot continuously. Just a little side note. Notice, notice, the, notice the screen behind this guy. Gun violence epidemic. Epidemic, right? Epidemic. I need, you, I, need, I need that image tattooed in your brain for what's coming next. Gun violence epidemic. Gun violence epidemic. Gun violence epidemic. Gun violence epidemic, right? So keep that in mind. Distinguishing features. 
They had and the listen power to the praise. Continuously, but they also had large capacity magazines. In short, every semi-automatic weapon used in the terrorist attack on Friday. Like there's a reason that those particular words are put on that screen in that big font while the guy's saying what he says, right? It's all subconscious trigger stuff. Friday will be banned in this country. All right, let's break that down a little bit. The weapon used in the New Please Zealand do. killings uh, was an AR-15 assault rifle. By definition, this... Uh, by, by-, <laughs> by definition, this is a military firearm. So is a pistol. So is a bayonet. So is a knife. So is a hand grenade. By Britannica, this is a military-style firearm with the capacity to deliver a high volume of fire with reasonable accuracy. Those things have to go together because it's still a single-pull, single-shot gun like right. a pistol. It's the idea that they can be accurate uh, with all of those shots. Here in the United States, these weapons are still legal in the majority of states. While there's no way to be sure exactly how many assault-style rifles... See, it's, see, look at the little things, too. It was a shooting in New Zealand. Look at the heading, gun violence in America. Right? Shooting in New Zealand, gun violence in America. How many assault rifles exist? Wait, what, what are we... Are we talking about New Zealand here or America, right? But see, no mention no mention of the headline. That's just bam. That's And that's imprinted in your subconscious because your eyes still pick it up. Your brain still remembers it. But you don't... You're not consciously pointed to it. But it's there. Gun violence in America. Shooting in New Zealand. Right? Gun violence epidemic. Rifles exist in the United States. The NRA estimates between eight and a half million and 15 million are currently in circulation in the U.S. In 2018 alone, there were a total of 340 mass shootings in the United States. That's nearly one mass shooting per day. So far this year, there have been 62. Gun ownership runs deep in this country's culture, and the numbers prove it. Americans make up 4% of the world's population, but own about 46% of all civilian firearms. America, fuck yeah. (laughs) At least those are the numbers at the end of 2017. That's nearly half of the world's guns. And this doesn't just have an impact on adults. Firearms are the second leading cause of death in the United States among children and teens. Every day, as Stephanie said, in the United States, about 100 people are killed. Hundreds are injured due to gun violence every single day here in the United States. One... How many using assault rifles, though? third of gun deaths are homicides. The majority uh, of them are suicides, but the U.S. uh, homicide rate is 25 times that of other high-income countries. And nearly 1,700 children and teens die by gun homicide every single... The source, every town for gun safety. ...single year. Steph? Those numbers. Joining us now, executive director at the Giffords Law Center, Robin Thomas. Uh So remember, though, gun violence epidemic, right? We're talking about New Zealand here. Uh, Robin, every town research tells us mass shootings that involve the use of high capacity magazines resulted in more than twice as many fatalities and 14 times as many injuries on average compared to those that didn't. New Zealand has had just one major mass shooting the United States, you know this better than we do. Just one? Just one? I thought it was an epidemic. I thought it was an epidemic, a gun violence epidemic. What's, what are you talking about? Just one? You has had hundreds 
I realize hundreds. New Zealand is teeny tiny, teeny tiny compared to the United States, but why yeah. on earth, when you look at these numbers, in your estimation, are we so far behind? I mean, it's just incredible when you consider the fact that one mass shooting happened in New Zealand and the prime minister and the leadership of that country immediately stepped up and took action and decided that this was not an acceptable thing to have happen in their country. And they were going to do whatever it is that was possible to do to regulate and make their country safer. One shooting. We need to make the country safer. So within a week, less than a week, six days later, let's ban all those guns. Let's ban them all. Ah, now we're safe. Now we're safe. Really? Really? See, another way of looking at this would be um, after one, literally one event, the government of New Zealand has committed to a knee-jerk reaction and completely banned, like, banned a whole segment of something after one event, apparently making the country safer. Don't you think that's a little odd? <laughs> right? What, what happened to the research? What about the research? It's an epidemic, but it only happened once. It happened once, and then six days later, we fixed it. Now it's all good. Now it's safe. Now the country is safe. Isn't that strange? <clears throat> the illusion of safety. Oh, the government The government wrote a law. They're, those guns are banned now. Oh, good. Good. That thing that's happened once will never happen again because of us. It's like the Simpsons. Here, I have this rock. This rock will keep bears away. <laughs> I can give you this rock. If you pay me, I will give you this rock to keep bears away. The shooter was an Australian. Thank you. I know. <laughs> um, it's an amazing leadership that you've seen there, but you've also seen the Prime Minister being... Dr. S gets it too, doing exactly what the shooter wanted. Exactly. This is exactly what he said would happen in his manifesto. I mean, shit. We're banning, we're banning Jordan Peterson. We're banning Jordan Peterson's book from a bookstore because of what the shooter wrote in his manifesto apparently but the part where the shooter wrote about if i do this and use a gun then it's going to force the government to double down which is going to force more people to the outside which is going to create more opposition and then create conflict down in the in the future oh we just ignore that part for that part we do exactly what he wants we he, we endorse what the guy wanted but for some reason we've got to ban this guy's book from a bookstore it's madness complete madness so I wanted to see um, like I said in the intro I wanted to talk about de-radicalization because that's the way forward so I came across this video ContraPoints is de-radicalizing young right wing men so I thought well I'm a young guy I'm a young guy maybe I am the target audience for this I believe in things like free speech, so I must be some kind of radical. So I wanted to see how we're de-radicalizing young men. I wanted to know the techniques. Maybe this can be rolled out at a government level if it, if it makes sense. So let's have a look. The de-radicalizing of young men on YouTube and how it works. Hello, my children. It is I, the darkness within. Talking, talking, talking. 
hands gesturing. <laughs> Ooh, that's scary. So Natalie we're off to Wade a good start. Trying to de-radicalize YouTube. We're off to a good start. I see somebody putting on makeup. <laughs> this is going to work. This is going to de-radicalize those young right-wingers. She uses 15 wigs, $1,000 in props, and hours of makeup to make 30-minute videos about the political fights of the internet. What, what, what do we even need prisons for? Look at, look at this set. I, I can just see I can just see right now right wing men around the world watching this going fuck I've made some mistakes with my life. What am I believing in right wing propaganda for? Let's discuss this. And by discuss, I mean use it quietly and I'll tell you what to think. This is how political ideas spread. Really? 200 years ago it was pamphlets. 30 years ago it was magazines. Now it's YouTube. Yeah. The problem is it can be a bit of a radicalization machine. You search for what is the West. The first results are fine, but YouTube starts suggesting more and Jordan more. Jordan Peterson, there he is. And eventually you hit a white This is how stupid these people are. People say Jordan Peterson is alt-right. The alt-right doesn't like Jordan Peterson. The alt-right are ethno-nationalists. Jordan Peterson is a liberal. Jordan Peterson's left-wing. He's just a, someone on the left who doesn't like communism. But in the, in the small minds of people who work in the corporate press, not liking communism is the same thing as being a far-right extremist. Seriously. Jordan Peterson's not a conservative. Jordan Peterson's not on the right. The way he speaks about Christianity and stuff like that and understanding the differences between conservatives and liberals and shit might lead you to believe that he is a conservative. But if you actually read what he says and listen to him more... He's, he's nowhere near a far-right extremist. He's actually centre-left with what his own personal politics are. But because he hates communists, that's enough for people in the corporate press and, you know, around the around the web with brains the size of peanuts to declare him to be some kind of alt-righter. <laughs> it's fucking ridiculous. It makes me laugh every time. Every time I see, oh, Jordan Peterson from the alt-right, I'm like, oh, God, how dumb are you? <laughs> Our video talking about black people's IQs. All that stuff, it's very last season. I'm kind of over it. That's where Natalie Wynn comes in. Contrapoints, the internet show where we talk about sadness, fascism, sexual deviation, cults. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know about you, but I can definitely see... Um, young right-wing radical radical young right-wing men being convinced that their ideas are bullshit by a man wearing makeup using black and white sets doing poetry about fascism can't you i, I just think this is a sure winner she creates dialogues between characters and plays all of them she writes films edits it all herself how could i possibly be a nazi the result is a pretty complex discussion about subjects like the alt-right, transgender pronouns, climate change, capitalism, incels. What we have in our hands here is more than a bunch of angry internet misogynists. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, it's like, did I miss a fucking memo or something? When, when, are, the, when are the apparently, again... Definition is fluid, but when are the radical right-wing young men going to go to transgender individuals for advice about politics? 
This is apparently going to de-radicalize. This is not going to de-radicalize somebody who is apparently a radical young right winger. This is going to re-radicalize people. (laughs) I mean, if you show this to a radical young right winger, they're going to say, this is exactly the kind of shit I'm talking about. (laughs) This shit. This is the kind of shit that I'm talking about, man. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. Who decides that this works? Who's, who's telling us that? This? Again, did I miss a memo? Was there a speech somewhere that I missed? I don't get it. It's at worst a kind of death cult. She's trying to pull people away from the far right and nudge the left into doing better. Everyone is going to look back on people like you and they're going to hate you so much for what you allowed to happen to this planet. Well, those are future people. I'm alive now. Fighting against the kind of. Oh man, you know those nasty, nasty, um, you know those Nazi, 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 those nasty Nazis with their ideas about gender pronouns and stuff and how awful it is. So I can just see them. What you allowed to happen to this planet? (laughs) What is our future, people? I'm alive now. I could, I could just see all the young right-wingers just dropping their Jordan Peterson books right away and jumping into this, can't you? Fuck, how could I get it so wrong all these years? Oh, my God. Now I finally see the light. <laughs> now I love transgenderism. Yay! <laughs> I am fighting against good luck, the kind Mark. of reactionary forces that I mean, good cause luck, people to double fuck down on their reactionary ideas. There's a major disconnect I'm here. changing people's minds. I'm softening them to uh, these issues. I don't want toleration, damn it. I want converts. Uh-huh. A year ago, she had 83,000 YouTube subscribers. I know. There's millions of views on this. Now it's half a million. Her top videos get over a million views. She's in the top 20 creators on Patreon. But see... Of the millions of views, somebody in the chat, Mike in the chat's like, I'm saved. <laughs> of the millions of views, how many of them are actually radical young right wingers? How many would you guess? Five? Serious, serious question. How many radical young right wingers are watching this person for the for the purpose of being converted away from what they really think as opposed to getting material for their YouTube channel? You know what I mean? A site where fans can give monthly donations to artists. It's more than enough for this to be her only job. Why don't we fight the pageantry of fascism with pageantry of our own? Yeah. And you know who's going to make that happen? Mm. Who? Well-funded trans women. <laughs> you, you know who loves pageantry and makeup and, you know, glamorous sets and extravagant outfits? You know who loves all that shit? Nazis. Young Nazis, man, they love the makeup. <laughs> they they love the glamorous, sparkly dresses <laughs> being worn by people other than women. It wasn't always like this. Natalie quit a philosophy PhD program in 2015. She moved to Baltimore for a relationship, which uh, promptly failed. Oh. I dropped out of grad school. I like, I'm going to write fiction. That didn't go anywhere. I was like driving Ubers. 
just teaching piano lessons, being a paralegal, doing copywriting, just like anything. It's a memoir. It's because of a certain like dark moment of my life that I even thought to do something as suicide. I like that the interviewer is keeping her distance. Don't want to disturb the genius while she's putting her makeup on. Title. <laughs> as make video responses to all right people. Western culture is being destroyed by cops <laughs> and by gender bending, intoxication and sodomy. You know, things that have never happened in Europe. <laughs> what makes your videos unique is that you are not obsessed with fact-checking every lie it uttered by the president or oh, the president. It's always it always all roads all roads lead to Trump, don't they? In these little videos, every single road goes back to the president somehow. Somehow, I don't even know how this relates to Donald Trump at all. <laughs> but apparently, it does. Apparently, it does. That you look at the arguments undergirding their ideas and try to unpack those. Why did you decide to do that? Facts don't matter to people as much as people think they do. People That's don't true. believe because of facts I agree. and evidence. They believe things because it's a part of a story that they tell themselves. And so I guess part of what I'm doing is understanding those stories and understanding psychologically why are these stories being told. It's like if you're a lawyer. You can't just come out and say fact, 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 if you're a prosecutor, right? Because it's not believable. What you have to do is come up with a story that ties all the facts together. So you can't just say, this is the murder weapon. This is the motive. This is the bullet. This is the body. This is the blood splatter. You have to actually say, you know, at 10.15, the guy was drinking heavily and then he, he picked up the gun from his car and then he went home. He was angry. He had a fight. And then he shot his wife and then the blood splatter. He shot her because he was facing this way because they were arguing in front of the TV, right? You have to come up with a story, a, a plausible story that ties all the facts together. Otherwise, the facts are pointless. Narrative, exactly. But some people, are, it depends. Different people are convinced by different things. So some people are convinced by just hard facts and that's enough. But I, I would suggest most people aren't. So I agree with ContraPoints there. Most people aren't convinced by just facts alone. You know, you can <clears throat> you can write um, two different articles, say, about climate change, and you can you can take five facts and use the exact same five facts, and then you can write an article in favour of fossil fuels or an article against fossil fuels using the exact same five facts. It all depends on how you tie them together and how you present them. It's all about the gift wrapping, right? So just, you know, you can make up an arbitrary number. I don't know. Uh, fossil fuels cost $5 billion a year. So in a, in a positive article, you would say fossil fuels cost $5 billion a year, but renewable fuels cost 10 times that amount. In a negative article, you would say, you know, in hospitals and policing and stuff, we, we need money and fossil fuels cost $5 billion a year. So it's all about how you present it. And who sees themselves as the most rational guys in the room? Often young white guys, her primary target. Look, if your ideas stand up to rational scrutiny, why aren't you willing to discuss them in the free marketplace of ideas? Well, I'm going to discuss them in the free marketplace of ideas as soon as you get out of my room. How do you think about what will draw in, you know, <laughs> the angry 21-year-old Angry 20. Why, I mean, why really? are all the angry, why are all the 21-year-old white guys angry? Like, where are these angry young white men? I don't, I don't meet many. I don't meet any. Do you meet many angry young white men? 
Where are they? Where are they hanging out? They're angry. Like, they're just walking around angry at the world. <clears throat> Fuck you. <laughs> where are these people? <laughs> it sounds like all of the 21-year-old white guys are angry at something. See how they just snuck white in there as well? At first, it was just de-radicalizing young right-wing men, but they have to be white. <laughs> Otherwise, it just doesn't make sense. <laughs> like, and they obsess over it, is this kind of like free speech thing. To them, it's- <laughs> they, obs- they obsess over this free speech thing. <laughs> oh, I'm convinced. I'm convinced. Fuck free speech. Why are they so angry? It's like, I don't know, maybe it's because every time they open their mouth, they're accused of being a racist or privileged or bigoted or a Nazi or something like that. Is that is that is that why they're angry? I'm not sure. Yeah, you know what? They just obsess over this free speech thing. Yeah, they got something wrong with them. There's something wrong with them. What will draw in, you know, is the angry 21-year-old white guy. I mean, what really, like, and they obsess over is this kind of like free speech thing. Mm-hmm. To them, it seems terribly oppressive. Kind of like free speech thing. To have to constantly capitulate to these activists who want them to stop saying certain words or to have to, um, you know, use the correct pronouns for trans people. Correct. That- see, see, even little things, that's self-propagandizing there. The correct pronouns. Well, who, who's to, who, who's to say it's correct? Are you saying it's correct? Who decides what's a, what the correct pronoun is? Because as far as I can ascertain, a lot of people argue about these fucking pronouns constantly. You know, I'm reminded of an old saying, uh, just because you're politically correct doesn't mean that you're correct, right? Privileged obliviousness is something that I was raised with. And I... Privileged obliviousness. <laughs> Come on, sweetheart. Privileged obliviousness. We're not the ones referring to it as this weird free speech thing. You want to talk about obliviousness? Jesus Christ. Do find it possible to put myself back in that mindset for the purpose of persuasion. Hi, boys. It's points again. Same queen, new look. Try to keep up. One reason. This is definitely going to convince the uh, radical, angry right-wing men, don't you think? Natalie is an unlikely missionary to those guys, is that they often relish in belittling people like her, trans women. I get so many comments at the beginning, speaking as a straight white male, it's just like, (laughs) okay, here we go. Yeah. (laughs) See what I mean? See what I mean? Oh, why, why, you know, they're so angry. Oh, they have this free speech thing. But as soon as somebody says, well, I'm a straight white male, they're instantly dismissed by this person. Look at the hand guard, like, talk to the hand girlfriend. You know what I mean? It's like, here we go. Straight, straight white male talking. What do you know? Fuck you. You know what I mean? And and then and then wonder why you know they're they're obsessed with this free speech thing. But it's true. You don't have to listen. You don't have to listen. But aren't you trying to convince the young white men that they're on the wrong path? How are you going to do that if you don't fucking listen to them, darling? Sometimes they're nice comments. Um, 
I know how rare it is to change someone else's opinion on the internet. I gotta admit, you really have opened my eyes. This old redneck trucker enjoyed your video much. I'm trying to learn what the world is now that I'm no longer in the disconnected ether of commercial transportation. <laughs> ContraPoints woke me up and pulled me out of the rabbit hole of the alt-right, and I didn't Garbage. wake up until someone more smart than I could actually spell it out for me. Garbage. Really excited to see your presentation. Looks. I'm glad. I was gonna. I was about to say there's a lot of uh, young women here at this rally of young angry white men, but then I realised, oh no, it's it's her fans. That's that explains why there aren't many young white men there. Some see her as a champion. You know the target like audience. school kids she spoke to recently. Please join me in welcoming to the stage the woman the Verge once described as obese woman with green hair. Green hair introduces. Um, transgender individual who wears makeup and frilly dresses about convincing the the right wing the young right wing white men why they're on the wrong path standing ovation <laughs> it's the oscar wilde of youtube natalie win A lot of people traditionally have been shut out because they're doing work that simply an editor or a publisher is going to look at it and be like, what? Like, hi, I'm like a trans woman. I want to do um, comedy about fascism. Like, not that many people are like, yeah, here's a bunch of money. Go do it. I think that this is a piece of a strategy. Um, it's not a whole strategy. I'm convinced. I, I don't know about you. claim to be able to single-handedly... Pouring milk on Jordan Peterson, the liberal. I am just dealing with opinions. Well, I live for trans jokes. I just don't think cis people are very good at telling them because uh, they don't know enough about trans people to know what the funny things are. I see uh, myself as sort of like the left's immune system. No more than that. So, those are my thoughts. Um, like, comment, and subscribe. I'm convinced. I'm convinced. Do we have any uh, angry young white men in the audience? Please make yourself known. Please make yourself known and report yourselves to Periscope authorities immediately. Library admits they let a convicted sex offender read to children as young as two in drag after failing to perform a basic background check. Houston Public Library has banned a man who had previously been charged for sexually assaulting a child from reading to children at Drag Queen Storytime, convincing those young right-wingers. The, li the library apologised after not completing a background check on Albert Alfonso Garza, 32, last known to be reading to kids at the Montrose Library. The library blamed the failure to complete a background check on a volunteer. Yeah, it's always some underling, isn't it? always some underling here's a story for you I, I once did a gig when i was playing in a band which was almost a lifetime ago and there was going to be it was it was open to people under 18 like when we played gigs it was mainly to like in bars when it, when it was over 18 so we played one gig and it was going to be kids there like under 18 year old kids and we all had to sign a declaration that we were not sex offenders and I wasn't going to sign. I'm like, I'm not fucking signing this shit. Not because I'm a sex offender, because I'm not, but just for the principle of the thing. Like, fuck you. I'm not a fucking sex offender. I'm not signing it. Who the fuck are you? I don't need this gig. But I ended up getting convinced by everyone else. Just sign it. Just sign it. I'm like, all right, fine. But fucking, I hate this kind of stuff. 
So you have that on one hand, and then on the other hand, you have a library, which which is literally you know putting on an event for children, and it's like, well, this is the the, the they blame the failure to complete a background check on a volunteer. Why is a volunteer doing background checks? Why is the job of making sure that the children are being kept safe from potential sex offenders being left up to fucking interns? That's not that's not an excuse. That's not a reason that you can't blame the failure on that. That's your failure. You see what I mean? The library blamed the failure of the background to complete a background check on a volunteer. No, no, no. It's your fault because you're blaming it on a volunteer. You see? It's not the job of the volunteer to do this. It's yours. You can't, you can't outsource that responsibility to somebody else and then blame them when it goes pear-shaped. It's still your fault. <clears throat> Comment in the chat. Yes, because offenders are such honest people. James over in YouTube. Good to see you. How much did you miss? Oh, you've missed plenty. You've, you've, you've missed being de-radicalized, unfortunately, sir. Gaza was charged with child sexual assault involving a victim who was eight years old in 2008. Look at that transformation. That is actually a pretty fucking good makeup job, if I do say so myself. Doesn't even look anything like the guy on the left, does it? I mean, it's a wag of the finger for the child sexual assault, but it's a tip of the hat to the makeup artist. What a miracle worker. Drag, drag queen story time. Break out the dress-up chest and let your imagination run wild. <clears throat> yeah, this is all good, good influences. It was, it was only after the group did their own digging that the shocking link was revealed. The library has confirmed that one of the program's drag queens, Tatiana Malanina, is Alberto Gaza, a 32-year-old child sex offender who in 2008 was convicted of assaulting an 8-year-old boy. Well, there you have it. Hey, it's not our fault. It was a volunteer. It's a volunteer's fault. Shit happens, right? Shit happens. Woman nearly died after injecting juice of 20 fruits into her bloodstream. <laughs> a woman with a love of alternative medicine almost died when her organs started shutting down. Zeng, 51, injected the juice of 20 different fruits into her bloodstream using a homemade IV drip. Her temperature started to rise and she felt itchy all over, but didn't do anything about it. It was only when her husband asked her what was wrong because she didn't look very well that Zeng was taken to hospital in Giyang in China. She was then transferred to an intensive care unit after her condition deteriorated on February 22nd. Dr. Liu Jingxiao, oh, sorry, not even close, told local media that she had contracted an infection and caused damage to her heart, kidney and liver. She was left fighting for her life after developing sepsis and when her organs started failing. Doctors carry out dialysis to clear her blood of fruit juice. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Look, I don't want to sound harsh, but seriously, why are we saving these people? Honestly. Honest question. It's like, what are you in hospital for? Well, I, you know, I, I took 20 different fruits and I put them in a fucking juicer. I put them in a blender and then stuck a needle in my arm and started injecting it. Like, right. This this isn't a hospital. This is a library with drag queens. Sorry, you're on your own at that point. At that point. There's nothing we can do for you. <laughs> we can't save you. 
You know what I mean? Why are we actively working against um, natural selection here? Honest, serious question. The case prompted the hashtag old, hashtag old woman puts juice into veins. She was juicing. It was juicing. Jesus Christ. One more story here. Aliens are watching us like we watch monkeys in a zoo, say scientists. Well, scientists say it, it must be true. I mean, you're not going to go against science, are you? Remember, scientists say that climate change is real and happening and caused by man. Scientists also say that aliens are watching us like we're, like we're monkeys in a zoo. I guess it must be true. Oh, wait, you don't believe it? You don't believe this? I So what, do you... Are you doubting the science? Are you a flat earther or something? Right? <laughs> Scientists have discussed why we seem to be alone in the universe and say it's because we're exhibits in a zoo. Let's check it Quite out. It's possible that uh, we did detect uh, some traces of other civilizations but haven't recognized them. Um, and, uh, and, and the reason is that we uh, often imagine what we know uh, already, uh, what we have developed ourselves. And... Uh, and until we develop the appropriate technology, we will not recognize it out uh, in the sky. Uh, and uh, uh, of course, uh, you know, we should be open-minded and not uh, dismiss uh, uh, the opportunity to, to look at the sky. Uh, many people adopt the attitude that it's never aliens. And it's similar, this approach is similar to an ostrich putting its head in the sand and not even looking through uh, the telescope to search for it. Uh, I think we should be open-minded. We should look for industrial... <laughs> Follow Q, says scientists from Berkeley. <laughs> from, uh, civilizations out there. I, I call it uh, space archaeology. Uh, basically digging into space and searching for traces of other civilizations that may not... Yep. Uh, I'm not sure about that. Here's an article for you, though. This is more like it. Woman dubbed the she-beast dies during drug-fueled five-hour sex marathon. A 32-year-old woman from Colombia has died after a marathon sex session. She was fucked to death, literally. The woman, whose true name hasn't been revealed, reportedly went by the nickname La Fiera, or the she-beast, in tribute to her remarkably strong character. Okay. Okay. Strong character. She had been taking cocaine with her partner in order to enhance the experience. The woman is reported to have lost consciousness and started convulsing in bed. That's hot. At which point the man who was with her called for an ambulance. Because he was concerned that his lover's condition was worsening and the ambulance was taking too long to arrive, he wrapped her in some of the bedclothes and took her to a university hospital in a taxi. The man was questioned by police. At that point, he admitted the pair had been using cocaine during their five-hour coupling. An investigation into the woman's death has now been launched to determine if she was a habitual drug user and if the substance had an influence on her death. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure the cocaine had nothing to do with it. I'm sure it was just the D. <laughs> five-hour sex marathon. Dead. La Fiera. La Fiera. Cheers to Lafayette. Mm. Speaking of she beasts, Elizabeth Warren did a town hall recently. Uh, let's check out a little bit of Chief Warren. Voter disenfranchisement is real. 
In Mississippi, there are 23 felonies that once convicted ban a person from voting for the rest of their lives, literally limiting their citizenship and right to democracy. Mm -hmm. Hey, get me a beer. Moreover, residents' access to voting is limited by archaic voter registration processes and limited voting formats. How will you expand voting rights to the formerly incarcerated? She looks barely interested, doesn't she? <laughs> Ensure online voter registration and non-excuse early voting. All right. All right. Great question. But can I go you one bigger? Yeah. What? And that is, I believe we need a constitutional... <laughs> are people still falling for this shit or what are people still falling for this i don't know great question but can i can i can i direct my answer to something that has completely nothing to do with the question you just asked me sure why not i'm ready to clap lay it on me chief no amendment that protects the right to vote for every american citizen and to make sure that vote gets counted Yay! You know, the reason a lot of votes don't get counted is because people are either too stupid or, you know, too lazy to fill out their voter card properly. So what what the hell are we supposed to do? Like, if somebody doesn't f like fill in the box correctly or put the tick in the right place or put the number in the right place, are you supposed to count it anyway? She knows this. When you get a when you get a you know a a vote in the mail or something, it says in order for your vote to be counted, here's what you have to do. Now, if you're too ignorant to or too stupid to follow the very clear instructions on how to make sure that your vote is counted by filling it out properly, I don't think you're ready to choose who the president is. You know what I mean? We need to make sure every vote is counted. Yes, the ones the ones that aren't eligible are also counted. You know what I mean? Like the ones that aren't filled out correctly are put into a big bin and it's like, okay, there's 5,000 votes that we couldn't count because they were filled out wrong. They're counted too. We need to put some federal muscle behind that and we need to repeal every one of the voter suppression laws that is... We need to put some federal muscle. ...out there right now. Muscle. We need to make... I don't know about you, but when I saw this clip and I see her, like, traipsing around this stage, waving her arms around, she just looks like an angry little old lady. You know what I mean? America might be ready for their first female president, but I'm not sure that they're re ready for, like, an angry, frail little old lady. I'm, I'm sorry to be superficial, but voters think about this stuff. This stuff matters. She looks like a pissed off little angry old lady who's screaming at the DMV. You know, back in my day, we never had to wait this long for a license. I see the kids getting around, listening to the hip hop. You know, back in my day, we had records and I don't remember anybody complaining. Make sure that every vote counts. And Back in my day, we had smoke signals, not, not mobile phones. I don't remember anybody complaining. And I, I want to... I on want the prairie. To push that right here in Mississippi, because I think this is an important point. You know, come a general election, presidential candidates don't come to places like Mississippi. Mm -hmm. That's true. Yeah, 
They also have come to places like California and Massachusetts, right? Because we're not the battleground states. Well, my view is that every vote matters. Ah, that's that's why Hillary Clinton didn't go to what was it, Michigan? Uh, what were the other blue wall states that the Democrats lost and and Hillary didn't show up? Do you remember? And Donald Trump went there time and time again, and the the entirety of the corporate press was saying he's wasting his time. You can't convince these blue states to turn red. He's a fucking madman. What a what a stupid what a stupid campaign theory. Donald Trump's wasting time. Hillary Clinton is preserving herself for the battleground states. She'll do the same thing. And the- there's, there's only a certain amount of money. Elizabeth Warren is not going to be ultra campaigning in fucking Mississippi, I tell you. <laughs> She's not going to be in Mississippi either. <laughs> but these people in the audience are like, fuck yeah, yes! They, they know it's a lie. They know Elizabeth Warren isn't going to be in Mississippi. Wisconsin? The way we can make that happen is that we can have national voting, and that means get rid of the electoral college and everybody. <laughs> <laughs> best way to ensure that every vote counts is to get rid of the electoral college and that way only the votes in New York and LA count. Yay! Yay! <laughs> <laughs> the way to ensure that every void uh, every voter's voice is heard is to make sure that only two cities can decide every single fucking election. Well, bravo. Well done, Chief. I love it. Everybody. Everybody. It's never going to happen. She's laughing. She's she's laughing like I can't believe how fucking stupid these people are. (laughs) She's nearly getting a standing O. She's getting a standing O for something that is never going to happen. <laughs> She's like, don't thank me yet. Don't thank me. It's like, calm down, everyone. I know I'm your hero, but that's okay. America's first Native American president. I want to... Uh... I, I think everybody ought to have to come and ask for your vote. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. I want to bring in Hannah Burnell-Williams from here in Jackson. She's hoping to go to graduate school. Here in Jackson. Hi, Senator Warren. Hi, Hannah. Recently, many leaders in our nation have taken a stance on whether or not Confederate symbols should remain in the public eye in many of our cities, towns, and parks. She looks really interested in this question. <laughs> As a presidential hopeful, do you have any plans on addressing She's proud the to be an Okie from Muskogee. Of, of, the, of the reminders <laughs> of this nation's dark past or have any plans on preserving the nation's history in a way that explains it in a more educational sense versus showing praise to the losing side? All right. Oh, the losers. Uh, you want to talk about education? How many people? How many people who think that you know Confederate statues need to be presented in a more educational way know that um, many of the Confederate generals, for example, were against things like slavery. Take um, 
take Robert E. Lee, right? Robert E. Lee was actually in the north. The reason he went south to lead the southern uh, Confederate army was because his state was under attack from the north. Like, and, and how many people would know that Robert E. Lee was like one of the great military geniuses of all time? And like with less funding, less men, less equipment, they nearly fucking won. But he was a Virginian. So he went he went back home to defend his state from the north. Because he was of he was of the opinion that states' rights count and the states have a right to govern themselves. And the North was of the opinion, well, no, we should all be federalized under one system. Fuck what states want. Fuck what the states want. Fuck them. And if you've got a problem with that, well, then we're going to invade and shoot a bunch of your fellow statesmen. So Robert E. Lee was like, no, I don't agree with that. I don't, I don't agree with the federalization. I don't agree with you sending an army to attack my home state. I'm going to go home and fight for my home state. See, how is it that I know that as a foreigner who has no right to know that, but the people who talk about we need more education about, you know, the Civil War... And these, and these statues in the southern states, how can they not know that? And I do. That doesn't make any sense to me. Like, don't talk to me about education when you don't know fucking anything. Like, I, I, I don't want to be educated by somebody who wants to tear down statues. If that were the case, I would take, uh, you know, a degree in ISIS ideology. People who want to go around ripping down statues. I would get a degree in, you know, radical religious fundamentalism if that were the case. Hey, yo, ho, yo. So I would support removing. Confederate celebrations from federal lands and celebrations. <laughs> Confederate celebrations. Yeah, we're just having a fucking party. What is that? We're just having a party down here, y'all. You can't remove my Confederate celebrations. You dang Yankee bastard. Uh-huh. Ding. How many stereotypes can I get into one sentence? <clears throat> Listen here, Billy Bob. This damn here, dang here Yankee wants to take away our celebrations. <laughs> Ding! Putting them in museums where they belong. Putting them in museums where they belong. Next to all the Native American shit that you have no right to claim. Absolutely wonderful, isn't it? I, I am tempted to just show one quick thing. Because we were talking about the free speech thing. I think this is utterly fantastic. View in. I might not play the whole thing, but we were talking about the free speech issue before. What about free speech exactly? This 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 is this is a video that should be mandatory viewing for every person who thinks they're a socialist and they hate free speech. 
Uh, this is a this is a speech about free speech delivered by a guy who was a lifelong socialist at the time of saying it. He he ended up becoming more of a libertarian. Uh, you know, there is hope for you yet, my comrades. But this should be mandatory viewing. Let's check it out. Why not? It's not eleven o'clock. Let's enjoy. It. Fire! 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 Now you've heard it. Not shouted in a crowded theatre, admittedly. As I realise, I seem now to have shouted it in the Hogwarts dining room. <laughs> but the, the point is made. Everyone knows the fatuous verdict of uh, the greatly overpraised Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes, who... Gee, was there, was there many people who uh, had better command of the English language than this guy? Honestly. ...asked for an actual example of when it would be proper to limit speech or define it as an action. Gave that of shouting fire in a crowded theatre. It's very often forgotten what he was doing in that case was sending to prison a group of Yiddish-speaking socialists whose literature was printed in a language most Americans couldn't read, opposing President Wilson's participation in the First World War and the dragging of the United States into this sanguinary conflict which the Yiddish-speaking socialists had fled from Russia to escape. In fact, it could be just as plausibly argued that the Yiddish-speaking socialists who were jailed by the excellent and overpraised Judge Oliver Wendell Holmes were the real firefighters, were the ones who were shouting fire when there really was fire in a very crowded theatre indeed. And who is to decide? Well, keep that question, if you would, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, I hope I may say comrades and friends. Before your minds, I exempt myself from the speaker's kind offer of protection that was uh, so generously proffered at the opening of this evening. Anyone who wants to say anything abusive about or to me is quite free to do so. Isn't, isn't, that, isn't that lost on today's world? Again, I, I hark back to my own episode yesterday when we were talking about the cyber cop, talking about um, social media companies haven't done a good enough job protecting society. Nobody elected them to protect us. Nobody wants them to protect us. We don't need protection. If you do need protection, then you are quite fair and free to seek your own protection from dangerous ideas and dangerous opinions and dangerous speech, which offends you. Nobody, but it's not anybody else's job to protect you because they can't protect you without protecting me. And I don't want the fucking protection. I don't need the protection. I'm not going to hear a line and then run out like a madman and start shooting up a street. I, I'm not going to hear a line from a speaker and then turn into some kind of raving lunatic. You might hear a line and then turn into some kind of raving lunatic. But then I think I need to be protected from you, not I need to be protected from speech. Do you see the difference? Do you see the difference? That's why prisons exist. Prisons don't exist to give you a second chance to rehabilitate you, to, you know, let you work off your sins. Prisons literally exist to keep you away from the rest of us. Sorry. Sorry. So if a bad guy with a gun reads a piece of, you know, literature, which radicalizes him and then he goes out and wants to shoot a bunch of people, you don't ban the literature. You put the guy in prison. And when you put the guy in prison, you thereby keep him away from the rest of us who aren't going to read a piece of literature and then go out and shoot a bunch of people. You see how this transaction works? 
You don't remove freedom from the rest of society to protect the very small minority who can't deal with freedom. You protect freedom by taking away the people who can't deal with freedom and putting them in a place where there is none. That's how it's supposed to work. Kind offer of protection that was uh, so generously proffered at the opening of this evening. Anyone who wants to say anything abusive about or to me is quite free to do so and welcome, in fact, at their own risk. <laughs> and, um, but before they do that, they must have taken, as I'm sure we all should, a short refresher course in the classic texts on this matter, which are John Milton's Areopagitica, Areopagitica being the great hill of Athens for discussion and free expression, um, Thomas Paine's introduction to the Age of Reason, and I would say a John Stuart Mill's essay on liberty, in which it is variously said, I'll, I'll be very daring and summarize all three of these great gentlemen of the great tradition of especially English liberty, um, in one go, what they say be, is, it's not just the right of the person who speaks to be heard. It is the right of everyone in the audience to listen and to hear. And every time you silence somebody, you make yourself a prisoner of your own action because you deny yourself the right to hear something. In other Amen. words, your own right to hear and be exposed is as much involved in all these cases as is the right of the other to voice his or her view. Free speech is a two-way street. It's always been a two-way street. That's why we were talking about before. If you, if you get rid of all of the people off a particular platform who have a particular view, then the people who want to shut down those people are just going to follow them to the next place because they aren't trying to stop people from speaking. They're trying to stop you from hearing it. It's a subtle but important difference. And I don't want to grant anybody else the right to decide on my behalf what I am capable of hearing. Because you, you don't have that right. You're not inside my head. You are not me. You don't know what I'm capable of listening to. I decide what I'm capable of listening to. You decide what you're capable of listening to, but you don't decide for me what I'm capable of listening to. Indeed, as John Stuart Mill said, if all in society were agreed on the truth and beauty and value of one proposition, all except one person, it would be most important, in fact, it would become even more important that that one heretic be heard because we would still benefit from his perhaps outrageous or appalling view. In more modern times, this has been put, I think, best by a personal heroine of mine, Rosa Luxemburg, who said that the freedom of speech is meaningless unless it means the freedom of the person who thinks differently. Um, my great friend John O'Sullivan, former editor of the National Review, and my, I think probably my most conservative and reactionary Catholic friend. Great, great comment in the chat from Mike. Somebody better download this YouTube video before this alt-right speaker gets banned. <laughs> once said, uh, it's a tiny thought experiment, he says, if you hear the Pope saying he believes in God, you think, well, the Pope's doing his job again today. I'm reminded of um, something that I heard a long time ago, and I'm probably going to butcher the quote, but it goes, I, see, I always raise an eyebrow to people who want to endorse the deplatforming or silencing of somebody else. And like I said, I'm a bit of a free speech extremist, so I don't even particularly care what the circumstances are. 
I don't care. Like, I, I, you know, I don't have sympathy for people who, you know, hand over money f- to scams. There's a difference. Like, if, you're, if you get scammed, if you get defrauded by a bank or something and all of, you know, you're signing official documents and shit and you lose your money, that's a different story. But if you see somebody on the internet making promises and you send them their money, I have no sympathy for you. I don't even hate the person that's doing it. That's freedom. I read a story the other night on uh, The Starting Block, a show I do with my friend that like five people watch, which is a lot of fun. But uh, a former tennis player says that he can cure cancer by rubbing women's genitals. And, you know, he's got women lining up down the street to hand over money. And they, and they want to take him to court. And so, and so I'm like, why prosecute this person? Let people find out for themselves. After six months, quote-unquote, treatment of having their clitoris rubbed by this tennis pro saying that he can cure cure their cancer and their condition gets worse, I'm sure they'll figure it out. Why does the government need to step in to stop this transaction taking place? It doesn't make sense to me. It does not make sense to me. If people want to hand over their money for something something as ridiculous as that, God bless them. That's freedom. Do what you want. But at the same time, don't expect sympathy when it doesn't work out. That's where I stand. I'm like, no, you're, you're the person voluntarily handing over money. You have the responsibility. Same reason that I don't want to ban websites when somebody goes on a shooting spree. It's like, no, the person who had the firearm in their hand and shot the bullets, that's the person who's responsible for the death. It's not the, it's not the person who wrote the website that they read as evidenced by the fact of the millions of other people who read the same website and didn't go out and shoot somebody. Exceptions to trends do not invalidate trends. So that's why I always raise an eyebrow to people who want to cheer on things like deplatforming and censorship and take this website down or take that book off the shelf. Utter garbage. They're doing it for their own reasons disturbing as they may be or noble as they may be, whatever the case. But the line I'm reminded of that I heard a long time ago was, you should always be more weary of those who seek to silence an opinion than those whose opinion they seek to silence. Say it one more time. Always be more wary of those who seek to silence an opinion than of those whose opinion they seek to silence. Just a thought. If you hear the Pope saying he's really begun to doubt the existence of God, you begin to think he might be onto something. Well, if everybody in North America is forced to attend at school, uh, training in sensitivity on Holocaust awareness and is taught to study the final solution about which nothing was actually done by this country or North America or the United Kingdom while it was going on, but let's say as if in compensation for that, everyone's made to swallow an official and unalterable story of it now, and it's taught as the great moral exemplar, the moral equivalent of the morally lacking elements of the Second World War, the way of stilling our uneasy conscience about that combat. If that's the case with everybody, as it more or less is, and one person gets up and says, you know what, this Holocaust, I'm not sure it even happened. In fact, I'm pretty certain it didn't. Indeed, I begin to wonder 
if the only thing is that the Jews brought a little bit of violence on themselves. That person. This is the point of this speech where morons and the mentally underdeveloped go, he's endorsing Holocaust denial. He needs to be shut down. He needs to be taken off the web. Why would anybody listen to this? Only sickos and right-wing crazies listen to this. We can't have those people around. This is the point of the speech where those kinds of people start to kick into gear. The reactionary types. The irrational types failing to see the broader point, failing to see the subtext, failing to see the philosophical implications of what he is suggesting in a broader sense. I'm pretty certain it didn't. Indeed, I begin to wonder if the only thing is that the Jews brought a little bit of violence on themselves. That person doesn't just have a right to speak. That person's right to speak must be given extra protection because what he has to say must have taken him some effort to come up with, might be, might contain a grain of historical truth, um, might in any case give people to think about why do they know what they already think they know? How do I know that I know this except that I've always been taught this and never heard anything else? It's always worth establishing first principles. It's always worth saying, what would you do if you met a Flat Earth Society member? Come to think of it, how can I prove the Earth is round? Am I sure about the theory of evolution? See, I watched a documentary the other day about flat Earth. I don't think it's a flat Earth, but I watched a documentary the other day just purely for the sake of, I'm going to see what these people think. I'm going to see what these flat Earth guys are talking about. And again, this fallacy that some people like to push, like where you hear a certain kind of information or you read a certain website or you watch a certain video and then all of a sudden you must be some kind of maniacal automaton believer that just marches off. Right? This ridiculousness. You know what I did after I watched the Flat Earth documentary? I was eating popcorn. I wiped my mouth. I got up. I took a piss. And then I went about my day. I was like, hmm, that was interesting. Next. <laughs> Where's the harm in that? What's, what's wrong with that? Why do I need to be protected from that? Again, all this talk today, right now, in this current zeitgeist about extremist views, for me, the most extremist view is the view that says we need to stop this person, this person, this person, this website, this book, this movie from being seen by anybody. That's the most extreme view for me. Doesn't get more extreme than that. I, I guess I'm more tolerant than you, right? If if you believe in taking people down and taking websites down and general cucky approaches to opposing views like that, yeah, I'm gonna report this guy. I'm gonna take this guy down. Then you you're you're no better than a lib like you're no better than an obese woman with Coke bottle glasses and green hair who screams screams like a baby out the front of a university when someone is speaking that they don't like. You're in the exact same mould. It is mental underdevelopment. Full stop. I know it's supposed to be true. Here's someone who says there's no such thing. It's all intelligent design. How sure am I of, of my own views? Don't take refuge in the false security of consensus and the feeling that whatever you think, you're bound to be okay because you're in the safely moral majority. One of the proudest moments of my life, that's to say, 
in the recent past has been defending the British historian David Irving, who is now in prison in Austria for nothing more than the potential of uttering an unwelcome thought on Austrian soil. He didn't actually say anything in Austria. He wasn't even accused of saying anything. He was accused of perhaps planning to say something that violated an Austrian law that says only one version of the history of the Second World War may be taught in our brave little Tyrolean Republic. The Republic that gave us Kurt Waldheim as Secretary General of the United Nations, a man wanted in several countries for war crimes. You know, the country that gave, that has Jörg Haider, the leader of its own fascist party, in the cabinet that sent David Irving to jail. You know the uh, two things that have uh, made Austria famous, given it its reputation, by any chance? Just while I've got you. I hope there are some Austrians here to be upset by it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it pity if not, but the two great achievements of Austria are to have convinced the world that Hitler was German and Beethoven was Viennese. <laughs> now to this proud record they can add, they have the courage finally to face their past and lock up a British historian who's committed no crime except that of thought and writing. And that's a scandal. And I can't find a seconder usually when I propose this, but I don't care. I don't need a seconder. My own opinion is enough for me, and I claim the right to have it defended against any consensus, any majority, anywhere, any place, any time. And anyone who disagrees with this can pick a number, get online, and kiss my ass. Doesn't get much better than that. I'm tempted to play his brother. Yeah, why not? Let's fucking do it. The 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 funny thing about this family is Christopher Hitchens was a socialist and Peter Hitchens is a, you know, a monarchist and a devout Christian. But they funnily enough they both have the same views on free speech and this is something that I've spoken about often. Once upon a time in Western societies, it was, it was understood that left and right was a conversation between two sides of the same coin. In so much as we had very different ideas about, you know, the right way to do things, the wrong way to do things, but at least we agreed on the fundamentals. The fundamentals. And free speech is one of those pillars upon which our societies rest. It's one of the fundamentals. So even though because the left and the right, you don't have to agree on everything, but there are there are four or five fundamentals that you absolutely have to be on the same page on. That's no longer the case in our society. And unless you're unless you're some kind of communist or unless you're some kind of fascist, then you would agree that free speech is important. And you would disagree with deplatforming and and all of the ridiculousness that goes on in this area, but be it as it may, here we are. And this is again like another slogan, another bumper, st- another boogie bumper sticker for you that I often repeat. It's not me the voter versus you the voter, it's us the voters versus them. It's control versus freedom. So you just heard from Christopher Hitchens, the socialist, about free speech. Now listen to Peter Hitchens, the Christian conservative, about free speech. Same family, same bloodline. Completely opposite ends of the ideological spectrum. Both believe in free speech. You figure it out. Madam President, ladies and gentlemen, I know that to many of you, 
My very presence here is offensive. <laughs> uh, which is the point that I seek to make. I am not, I will actually be the first speaker here this evening not to use the F word or any other stupid coarsenesses of that kind, which I greatly disapprove of. No, I do. I think that they are, they are a genuine insult to, to people who find these things disturbing and offensive and unpleasant, and I don't think that anyone speaking in a place such as this should foul the air with them. And I, I think people should restrain themselves from that. They should restrain themselves from personal rudeness. They should restrain themselves from deliberately setting out to annoy people because of things in which they sincerely believe. These are matters of conscience, morals, and good behavior and actually have very little to do with what I really wish to say here. Now, there has been, for some time, uh, on the internet, a Facebook page entitled Peter Hitchens Must Die. Uh, <laughs> in, in, broadly, I agree with this. It's a statement of fact. <laughs> Excellent. If you're a staunch uh, Christian conservative, it's pretty hard to get a room full of lefties laughing and clapping and applauding you. But that's a, t that's a talent. Alas, there are some people who actually take it as a, as a statement of purpose. And indeed, not, not all very... That it, is, it is currently funny, but will it always be so? And not very long ago on, on Twitter, where the electronic mob uh, is not very keen on me, a gentleman regretted... A citizen of Oxford regretted that he had not kicked me off my bicycle when I was riding across Morden Bridge. Uh, and it was sincere. And he aimed and intended to please his audience by saying so. Uh, I often describe myself on Twitter as the hated Peter Hitchens, because I am. Uh, but, but why is this? And my personal characteristics, such as they are, are largely unknown to the people who hate me. Uh, I don't so know them. They don't know me. They hate me because of what I think, because of what I say, and because of what I write. And that is what is so important about this debate. In this dispute, what the offensive person has actually said is seldom very important. It is see, see, the thing is, he talks about all the people that hate him. There's a Facebook page about him, Peter Hitchens must, must die. He refers to himself as the hated Peter Hitchens. At no point does he come out and say it's wrong like, we need to stop everybody from their hate speech against me? He doesn't say that. No, no, no. See, because if you believe in free speech, you are absolutely free to express your hatred of something or someone or some people. Absolutely free to do so. Even And somebody who is the target of this quote-unquote hate speech can say it. Why can't you? Why can't you? What the offended person believes him to have said, that counts. And this is the process into which we are rapidly entering as a society. We're moving towards a strange dictatorship of rage, where any approved group or any approved person's fury is sufficient to trigger calls for the denial of platforms, for the ostracism of one kind or, or, or another of that person, in effect, for the silencing of those people and the suppression of their opinions. This is a sinister development. It's even begun to affect figures such as Germaine Greer, one of the founders of the, of, of the modern left and of the liberal world in which we live, who by allegedly denying the existence of transphobia found herself accused of hate speech and, and, and urged, not just uh, it's urged, but informed that efforts would be made to keep her away from the city of Cambridge in future. 
Why is this so fantastically sinister, this attitude towards people and expressions of opinion? Because it is irrational, even medieval, though that is probably a libel on the Middle Ages, which in places such as this allowed free thought to flourish rather more than it flourishes here today. <laughs> uh, for instance, when I say that I do not believe in such concepts as dyslexia, which uh, doesn't exist, uh, nor in, in ADHD, which is a figment of the imagination, or in, in addiction, another uh, fantasy of the modern world. I can't People believe it. immediately respond by writing to me, by sending, my, sending emails or See, this is the other thing too. If you're not exposed to these ideas, then this is going to sound incredibly offensive to you. But I would suspect as a devout Christian like Peter Hitchens is, he doesn't believe in addiction because he would say addiction is a question of willpower. And you're right. So if you, if you don't have strong willpower, then you are susceptible to addiction. But if you have command over your own willpower and your own sense of self and your own spirit and that kind of thing, then you cannot be convinced by uh, outside forces or entities trying to corrupt you. So that makes sense to me. I, like, I, I don't even necessarily agree with it, but it makes sense to me. From his perspective, there is no such thing as addiction. Addiction is just failing willpower, right? So substance addiction, for example... Now, we know that if a person takes a certain substance for a certain amount of time, their body becomes reliant on it, their brain becomes reliant on it, it changes the chemical balance in their brain, all that kind of stuff. But he's talking about putting the needle in your arm in the first place. So if you have the willpower to not put the needle in your arm, then, you, then you're not addicted to it, right? So it's a question of will. And free will is a pretty, I'm, I might be the world's worst Christian, but I'm pretty sure free will is a pretty fucking important thing, you know, in, in the Bible and that kind of stuff, just etc. By saying on Twitter that I have insulted them. I've never met these people. I don't even know what they look like. I don't know their names, but they believe that I have insulted them. Believe me, I have in my time been insulted by experts. And I have got quite used to giving back as good as I get. And if I insulted you, you'd know all about it, and you'd stay insulted at least for the rest of the evening. I have not <laughs> in any way insulted these people. I, I, I have never myself been offended or insulted by the expression of opinion with which I disagree, and I do not see why they should be. The very idea that it should be possible to claim to have been perfect. Correct. How can you be insulted by, uh, you know, a difference of opinion? There's a difference. There's a difference. If someone's insulting me, they'll say, oh, Boogie, you stupid motherfucker. That's an insult, right? But if someone says, oh, Boogie, you know, capitalism is shit, why would I be insulted by that? I mean, you know, people, people will claim that I insult them when I say, well, that, that argument is stupid. And they'll snap and go, I'm not stupid. And I say, I didn't say you were stupid. I said your argument was stupid. And then they go, oh, it's the same thing. And I say, well, I would say, what, are you, are you your arguments? Are you and your arguments the same thing, the same entity? Do you not have command over your own arguments? And they go, well, it's, it's what I believe. So when you insult what I believe, you're insulting me. And I'm like, well, then we, we may as well not have a conversation. Because instead of trying to have a conversation, instead of trying to have an argument where we exchange ideas, now I'm trying to change you as a person by your definition. And I have no interest in changing you as a person. So you best get the fuck out of here because I've got no now I now I have no reason to talk to you.
because your arguments who are who you are. Therefore, okay, we'll take your arguments elsewhere then, <laughs> right? Personally offended by the expression of opinion is a dangerous absurdity and a danger to a free society. We now have many categories of people. See, this is this, you know, I don't want to make it too left and right, but the left has been very successful in convincing a whole generation or two of younger people that their political ideas are their identity. Their political ideas are who they are as people. And that is completely and utterly false. It's nonsense. Your political ideas are not who you are as a person. And shame on the people who try to tell you that they are. And so we've melded the, you know, the whole concept of personal identity with political identity and political arguments. And now the, the problem is, if you're a rational, sane human being who enjoys sparring over political concepts and arguments and debating and this kind of thing, then you have to now tread very carefully. Because if you engage in a political discussion or a political argument with a particular person who ties their personal identity to their political belief then you're no longer attacking, attacking their political belief and their political argument. You're attacking, in their eyes, you're attacking them as a person. Which leads us to the next step in the, you know, when you go from that to the next step, then it becomes you're bullying them. So if political identity is tied to personal identity, when you attack their political identity, you're bullying them as a person. Guess what happens when you bully people? Bang, you're banhammered. See how this works? So they've been very successful in intertwining the two. They've been very successful in, in from turning personal identity into political identity. So you can no longer attack the politics unless you're attacking the person now in their eyes. And if you're attacking the person, then you need to be banned because only evil, wrong, evil, only evil, horrible people attack other people on their personality. And you might say, I'm not attacking their personality, I'm attacking the politics of this ridiculous argument. But it's too late then. There's a whole lot of unwinding that needs to happen in Western civilization. We've allowed these different concepts to become entangled and become one thing, and they have no right being one thing. It needs to be like oil and water. They, they don't mix. And another old thing that I learned years ago if you can't have an argument with your friends about politics, you either need new politics or new friends. Just a thought. And pinko grey male middle class heterosexuals are not among them, who are entitled by some system which is never quite clear to be offended or insulted by any disagreement with their views and to follow their offence and insult by suppressing that view and by trying with a great deal of self-righteousness to prevent it from being expressed by, for instance, as happened in this city quite recently, preventing the holding of meetings at which opinions with which they disagree were going to be expressed by people of whom they disapproved. The person who is disapproved of is then classified with, an, with a pathology. So he's described as suffering from some sort of phobia. He yep. is then cast into the outer darkness, wailing of teeth, never again permitted to speak in this, in this or that place, and driven increasingly out of public life. This is straightforwardly censorship. In the hands of an unpleasant, semi-literate and ill-educated mob, it is very, very disagreeable <laughs> to watch. In the hands of supposedly educated students, it is, it is alarming and absurd. 
But in the hands of the state, which increasingly also resorts to the idea that, 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 that beliefs described by itself as extremism or indeed as glorifying terrorism can be the subject of legal sanction, it is terrifying. And it is that terror that I wish to draw to your attention. This idea that any opinion legitimately expressed can be dismissed on the grounds that it is an offence or an insult to an individual is the foundation of a new and terrifying censorship. And censorship is the foundation of tyranny. And if you don't want censorship or tyranny, then you must support this motion. Thank you very much. He's good, isn't he? He's good. I think a little too good. I think a little too good for some. All right. We have got an absolute marathon. We've got a marathon. Just getting warmed up. I think we might take a little quick five-minute break and then get back and get into your submissions on Twitter over the last two weeks. And I know there's some particularly spicy stuff in there. I note I note that we've killed at least sixty percent of the audience during the last hour or so, which is very, very pleasing to me because now I can go really hardcore hate speech and I know that the few people who are remaining are, are only the kind who are going to enjoy it anyway. So, <laughs> so we'll take a five-minute break. We'll get back. We'll get Randy. We'll get stupid. We'll get retarded in here as spoken by the effervescent, ever, effervescent young Fergie, who looks about 30 years older than she actually is. She had a hard life, that lass. But five minutes. If you want to stick around, we'll see you then. If not, so long, sucker. See you in five. Hello, everybody. This is Chris McDonald. I want to take this opportunity to invite you to listen to our Mac Files broadcast every Monday through Friday night from 9.30 to 10.30, right here on Periscope, YouTube, and Facebook Live. We always have a wide variety of guests that talk about faith, make America great again, the nation, President Trump. We deal with a lot of law enforcement issues, a lot of immigration issues, and issues that are very relevant to the time that we live in. Friday nights, 1130, the one and only James R. joins us for Pirate Radio, one of the liveliest shows late night that you'll ever have. And then Sunday nights, we have uh, Pastor Ronnie Mitchum join us at 8.30 p.m. for our Sunday night faith chat. And be there. We're looking for you. Join us each week. Aloha, James R. here. When I'm not in court defending the boys from the starting block against slander charges. Alleged! Yes, yes. Alleged. I'm hosting Trust and Verify with Boogie Bumper every Sunday night at 1 a.m. on TABshow.com. Join us and all your favorite broadcasters there. TABshow.com Friend and foe alike, join me, Varun Prasad, every week on the Common Discourse Weekly Roundup podcast. You can follow the show on at TCD Tweet on Twitter and Periscope. Subscribe to the show on YouTube, Stream Me, iTunes, or your preferred podcast platform. If you like what you hear, or you would like to express your raging discontent, please consider leaving us a review. The Common Discourse, independent political opinion, thought, and analysis for the people, by the people. Do you lie awake at night pondering life's big questions? Is there a God? What is the meaning of life? 
How would one do an hour-long sports show without ever actually talking about sport? If yes, we can help you answer 33% of these pressing questions. All you have to do is check out the starting block on TAVshow.com, Periscope, Stream Me, or YouTube, Wednesday mornings at 3 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can also download the podcast on iTunes just by searching for The Starting Block in the store or at thestartingblock.podbean.com. Or if you're really desperate for answers, why not check us out on Twitter, at The Starting Block. No K at the end, don't forget to drop that K. Enlightenment is now only a click away. So that's why that kind of political speak, those kinds of comments, whether I witness them or they're thrown directly at me, they just don't bother me anymore. I, I laugh. Because I know basically the entire, you know, the entire ideological platform on the left and has is built on fear and always has been. Remember, it's it's there's fear of capitalism because those greedy business owners, they're going to starve you to death. They're going to work you to death. That's built on fear. There's fear of the rich. The rich are trying to keep you down squashing you trampling on your dreams you need to get rid of them not selling fear there's fear of freedom i mean why do why do you think why do you think safe spaces exist the people accusing you of selling fear and paranoia literally endorse the creation of safe spaces in universities and triggering warnings trigger warnings just in case someone might present a piece of educational material, whether it be in some kind of book or movie, that may stroke them in a negative way emotionally. The people accusing you of selling fear and paranoia literally need to be warned about material in books in universities before they hear it. And they say you're the ones pushing fear. In reality, they are the ones that exist and live and breathe in a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week, 365-day-a-year campaign of fear. Fear of everything outside the norm that's been constructed within the bounds of the ideology itself. Because their fear, real or imagined, is what motivates them to accuse you of using fear against them.
Heya hoya heya. Welcome to the Vote Elizabeth Daily Warren 2020. Boogie. No, that girl in the uh, video is not my wife or my girlfriend. Just another chick. Oh, no, just kidding. <laughs> it's actually me. I transitioned. You'll be pleased to know. Welcome back. I'm going to get right into it. There you are. All right. Let's get right back into it. We're going to start with Twitter Twitter submissions from two weeks ago. I was really howling last week too. I had so many fun stories lined up. There was a story about Ikea bringing out their own Kama Sutra book. And I was like, Ikea bringing out a Kama Sutra book? And then I was trying to think like, how would an Ikea Kama Sutra book actually work? Would it be like, insert this pin into this bolt hole, twist it this way? Is there always one nut missing, you know, when you get a flat pack? Like, is it really, is it like, is it like a shitty Ikea diagram? You know, for the Kama Sutra for Ikea. Transition? Maybe I can just find it. Maybe. Oh, look, there's, here it is. It's here. Oh, do you want to see? Are you getting enough? <laughs> do you want to see the Ikea Kama Sutra? I can. Well, it doesn't matter if you want to or not. You're about to. Sit back and enjoy. Sit back and enjoy while your Swedish friends <laughs> present to you a better way to have sex. Are you getting enough satisfaction in your bedroom? <laughs> if you want more, there's no shame in that. IKEA has spent years studying life at home to help every oh, bedroom already, reach it? the highest level of fulfillment. <laughs> and we're sharing all of that expertise in this handy manual. Handy manual. The IKEA Kama Sutra. Let's explore a wide variety of positions that range from classic to modern, like the lotus flower. <laughs> Many report powerful feelings of ecstasy thanks to the luster of the duvet cover combined with the durable hardwood bed frame. Fantastic. You'll long to jump into bed and read a book. What a great if you like ad. to show it all. Then having an Widely open wardrobe open. is definitely the way to go. <laughs> its flawless interior organization system is pure pleasure for the eyes. Can't stop thinking about work? The, the tight fit and soft finish of the leather cushions of this sofa invite you to switch from work to play. And it can fit up to three people. For those who are not afraid to be on top, this loft bed will offer you the space you need to do what you like most. If you know what or I mean. climb down to a desk or a sofa to unwind your mind and body. Bask in that morning glow all night long. glowing boudoir. An elegant chandelier and luxurious duvet can turn your room Fantastic. into a glowing boudoir. Still craving for more bedroom ideas? Well, there's a world of inspiration waiting for you. See, I think that's clever. I love shit like that. I remember once I saw an ad. It was for a removalist company, but my wife and I, we were up late watching TV. It was like fucking one in the morning. And you know how you get all those sex ads on? Like 
call me now, like the phone sex ads and shit. And this ad was was mixed in between all of the phone sex ads. And it was just a blank screen. Like I've looked for hours trying to find this commercial because it was so funny. It was just a blank screen. And it's like a guy and a girl talking. And he's like, oh, it's just, it's just not going to fit. And she's like, just turn this way a little bit. No, he's like, it's not going to fit, babe. It's not going to fit. And she's like, it's going to fit. Just, just, just come around here a little bit. Come around this way. Okay. Now, now push, push. No, it's too tight. It's not going to make it. It, it will, it'll fit. Look, just bend down a little bit. Okay. And just try to, try to move it this way. And then the light, this goes on for like 30 seconds, this kind of conversation. And then the light goes on and it's too, they're, they're trying to get a couch through a doorway. <laughs> and when that light goes on, you're like, oh my God, fucking genius. Brilliant. <laughs> I've looked for ages to try and get that ad, but I can't find it anywhere on the internet. It was utterly brilliant. I love shit like that. All right. Two weeks ago, let's rock and roll. Why you still don't understand the Green New Deal? Tactical framing is turning us all into cynics. From Vox, from the general. One of my favorites, Vox. Let's have a look. The Green New Deal. What are you, what are you some kind of eco-fascist? <laughs> oh, yes. Now we can start accusing people of eco-fascism. Democrats in Congress have introduced a Check proposal called greenies. the Green New Deal, a plan to tackle climate change by overhauling our transportation systems, upgrading our power grids, and shifting to clean energy like wind and solar. There's a lot of cool stuff in here, but I am not an energy policy expert, so no. I have questions. How would these ideas work in practice? How quickly Terribly. do we get them done? Are they enough to Slowly. avoid the impending heat death of the planet? No. So to find the answers, I did what every American does when they want to know more about public policy. I tried to watch the news. So-called Green dun, New dun, Deal. Dun. Why do those three words create such anger from Republicans and even some anxiety among Democrats? Even House Speaker Nancy Pelosi had concerns. Republicans aim to make the Green New Deal a key 2020 campaign issue. You say Democrats are in a way helping Donald Trump. Green New Deal is going to be a flashpoint. Did Democrats give Republicans a huge 2020 gift? <laughs> green, green, green New Deal is not going to be a flashpoint. You know why, Democrat comrades in the audience, Democrat voters who may listen to this or watch this sometime in the future, you know why the Green New Deal isn't going to be a flashpoint? Because your party killed it. Your own party turned around to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and said, this chick is fucking off the rails. We can't have this floating around. End it. And they callously slit its wrist like a desperate and lonely spinster in a in a tired old creaky house with overgrown vines doomed to be alone the republicans see it as a key to victory for them is it god damn it <laughs> i have watched hours of segments about the green new deal and none of them actually explained how it might work instead they because focused it won't work. on the politics is it gonna pass does pelosi like it what did trump tweet about it Everything except, is it a good idea? Are you <laughs> the reason that they talk about all the other stuff is because it's not a good idea, my dear boy. Concerned the perception of the Democratic Party is going to move too far to the left. Turns out there's a name for this type of news coverage. It's called tactical framing. And uh. It's making us all too cynical to solve big problems before it's too late. 
This Sunday, the Democratic divide. Some progressives are pushing hard for a Green New Deal, but other Democrats worry they're being impractical. Is there a risk the Democrats maybe overplay their hand, rile up the Republican base, and you say, look, socialism, and you know some of these unrealistic yeah. uh, ideas? Tactical framing sounds like when you crop your problem areas out of a Tinder photo. Or video. Or a video. <laughs> but it's actually an approach to news coverage that focuses on strategy over substance. So instead of asking... I don't mind this guy, but I just don't like that he's so fucking jittery all the time. He's constantly doing this when he's talking. When did that become a thing? Is this new policy proposal a good idea? Tactical Framing asks, is it popular? Can it pass? How will it play in the next election? The discussion. Yeah, so in other words, reality, because it doesn't mean, it doesn't matter if something is a good idea or a bad idea. It matters if it's popular. We're talking about fucking politics here, lad. Doesn't matter if it's a good idea or not. If it doesn't pass, then it's a shit idea, right? You've got to be very practical and pragmatic about this stuff. You could you could have the best idea on planet Earth. If nobody votes for it, then it's a shit idea. Why? Because nobody's going to vote for it. Oh, it's tactical framing. It's politics. Of course it's politics. It's all politics. If you introduce a bill, if you have a suggestion to introduce a raft of bills and new laws, you can't accuse people of playing politics. It's a fucking political bill. You idiot. Is it a good idea? Is it a bad idea? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You're trying to change politics. <laughs> My God. Why Why is it it's only on these fucking websites like Vox where these lofty ideals, oh, we should believe in good ideas. Your good ideas sound terrible. You know why it's not popular? It's not because it's a good idea or it's a bad idea. It's because it's fucking shit. God. The fuck is wrong with these people? We never discuss whether it's a good idea or a bad idea. Well, let me tell you something, sweetheart. If it's not popular, if it can't pass and nobody wants to vote for it, I'm pretty sure it's a fucking shit idea, okay? If it was God's gift of ideas, then it would fucking fly through the Senate. It would fly through. It would go so fast past the president's desk that he would barely have a chance to put pen to paper as it was moving across the oak. Oh, see, you, you want to talk about tactical framing. The tactical framing that's going on here is they're going to say it's such a good idea. That's why nobody voted for it. Thinking that you woke up yesterday. I'm going to mix a lot of metaphors here. Thinking that you you came down in the last shower yesterday with your head up your ass. How will it play in the next election? The discussion is focused on the players and the implications for them and their political careers not the policy or its capacity to solve a problem. It's like it's like all of these people are finally just waking up and discovering what politics is. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like like at some point some politician's going to like some democrat's going to walk out one day and say, "You know what? I think it would be a good idea if we gas the Jews." He's like, wow, that's never going to pass. Like, th this would be detrimental to his political career. I guess it must be a good idea then. <laughs>
Helene Hall Jameson coined the phrase tactical framing. And she argues that this obsession with strategy tactical is framing. hard for us to understand big policy ideas. Ask yourself how much of the coverage of the Green New Deal has told you what specifically is in it. Other Republicans said the plan sounded more like communist economic doctrine. You probably have no idea what the Green New Deal is. You probably have some sense that it has to do with yeah, climate, yeah, see- climate change comment in the chat from Jan says, not ne- uh, Julia, not necessarily. Look at all the crap that has passed. Obamacare, for instance. That's exactly what I'm saying. It doesn't matter if it's a good idea or a bad idea because it's politics. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter if it's a good idea. If nobody votes for it and it doesn't pass, then it is a shit idea. Right? Like, fundamentally, ultimately, it doesn't matter if it's good or bad. It matters if it passes or not. If it doesn't pass, then it's definitely a bad idea. Why? Because it didn't pass. You see what I'm saying? But you probably don't know much beyond that. It is hard to argue with her. Look at some of the headlines from the Green New Deal debate. Is the Green New Deal smart politics for Democrats? Green New Deal divides Democrats on climate change. Seven reasons Democrats won't pass a Green New Deal. We're talking about the fate of the human race here, but the focus (laughs) is still on the politics. Put the fight over this plan. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about the fate of the human race here. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, for like the fiftieth time. Again, <laughs> we're talking about the fate of the human race again. Come on, man! The human race has been under existential demise for the entirety of the human race. If, if it's not climate change, it's, it's fucking disease, it's famine, it's plague, it's flood, it's cancer, it's everything. everything. Everything is always trying to kill us at all times. Like, what, what level of entitlement is this? Oh, we need Congress to pass a bill so we don't die as a, as a species. Are you fucking mad? Are you insane? <laughs> what, what, what do you think's going <laughs> to I really feel sorry for these people who think that if Congress doesn't pass, if, if the American government doesn't pass the Green New Deal, then all of life is going to be wiped out as we know it. I feel sorry for people like that. I'm like, I, I don't even know where to begin with you. I don't even know where to start. Wow. Fear, fear, fear. Exactly follow Q. Fear, fear, fear. Divide the Democratic Party. Well, Republicans succeeded painting it as an unrealistic boondoggle. Notice when you're saying that, you're not asking, well, what is the problem they're trying to address? Is this a viable solution? This framing makes us less informed, but it also makes us more cynical. Jameson and her research partner ran an experiment where they gave people I don't think I can get more cynical. stories about a Philadelphia mayoral race. Don't tune out. I will make this quick. The first group got stories that focused on the issues. What problems were the candidates the issues. trying to solve? And how did they... See, the first group of people got uh, something that focused on the issues. Okay, who decides what the issues are? See, this stuff is so shallow. I get it. It's hard. It's hard to be, you know, it's hard to be philosophically circumspect in an eight-minute video, but the first group got the issues. Okay, who decided what the issues are? You? You know what I mean? What are the issues? Oh, we're all going to die from climate change. Okay. 
proposed to fix those problems. The second group got stories that focused on tactics, how the candidates were trying to win over voters. And the third got a mix, stories that started with a tactical frame and then discussed substance. Their findings were... woof. In the second and third groups, the ones who got tactical framing, the news had activated their cynicism. They were more likely than the first group to God. say that the candidates were promising things they couldn't <clears throat> deliver or that the situation was hopeless anyway. They were also less likely to remember basic information about the policy proposals, even if what they saw included real policy analysis. We find that even with that good information there, the public's less likely to learn it because the tactical frame creates a lens on it that says they're not actually going to do it anyway. This is really all about politics. Now trust your political instincts based on your ideology. Jameson That's and her true. research partner published right. a book about their findings called She's right. Spiral of Cynicism, which is surprisingly not a book about my dating life. In See, that's true, though. It's 100% true. Most people are not policy wonks. Most people respond to politicians coming out, making outlandish promises, and then voting on, you know, a black and white interpretation on the success or failure of those promises. And the, su the success or failure, the markers for success or failure are probably going to be different for every single individual person. You know, if someone says, I'm going to have, I'm going to, I'm going to I'm going to put more money in your pocket. You know, some stupid thing like that, which all politicians say all the time. You're going to have more money in your back pocket if you vote for me. Well, it depends. Like, you know, the guy's work situation might have changed, he might have got a promotion, he might be paying more tax. You know, they might have moved in a state, there might be more state taxes. People don't necessarily equate state taxes to federal taxes. They kind of mix in all the, all the two. You know, they mix them all in together. Well, the president promised me the pre the president promised me that I would have more money, and I don't have more money. Therefore, he broke his promise. I don't care about all of the individual little you know qualifiers that go along with that. I don't care about that. So that she's right. Doesn't make any difference. They argue that this cynicism lingers even after the tactic. But they're trying to say like the cynical view is it, it's fundamentally incorrect. Like, say, so you should be more idealistic and believe in things that are going to fucking save the human race or some shit. ...framing is gone. A few days after the experiment, the participants were asked to react to an excerpt from a debate between the candidates. But the ones who had been exposed to tactical framing still reacted cynically. And what that said to us was that the stimulus in news was so strong that when you got no more cues to be cynical, to be tactical, nonetheless, you were seeing the race through that lens. Now, maybe your reaction is... So what? Of course watching the news makes you cynical. Congress is too gridlocked to get anything done. Hopelessness is the correct response. Here we go. But tactical framing makes it harder to break that gridlock by causing us to look at policy through a partisan lens. Most of the time, uh, we're not partisans. I know that sounds surprising. Here we go. Most of the time, we're not. But I can activate my sense of my partisanship. And what we need to do is be more idealistic, then things will magically happen. The partisanship of an audience by focusing on a frame that makes that more important. A uh, huge amount of the coverage of the Green New Deal has focused on how Republicans might gain an advantage with voters by attacking it in 2020. The Republicans can use this as a weapon. <laughs> See, but so, <clears throat> pardon me, this fundamentally doesn't address the problem of liberal corporate media framing the tactical framing of the GOP, right? So, of course, the corporate media is going to come out and say, well, the GOP can make ground by attacking the Green New Deal because that instantaneously makes people more sympathetic to the Green New Deal if they're against the GOP. Like, I, I, I doubt that this video is going to address that. 
why else why else would the corporate media be coming out and offering commentary on you know the tactical prowess of the GOP attacking the Green New Deal if not to uh, garner sympathy in its viewership, which is overwhelmingly liberal, and we know it's overwhelmingly liberal. So if they come out and say the GOP is going to attack the Green New Deal in order to gain some political gain, like tactical political gain, then they can turn around and say, well, the GOP is just playing politics with the Green New Deal and they're not interested in solutions. They're not interested in the issues. They're not interested in the policy. They don't want to save the human race. They're just being tactical. They're just playing politics. See, the media is engaged in its own framing you look at the political implications, it is easy to see why Republicans see advantage in this. And all of that might be true, but it also begs the question. If the only thing voters know about a bill is that Republicans hate it and Democrats love it. The Republicans painting this as unworkable socialism. Loony, socialist fever dream. They're more likely to react to that bill along party lines. In an environment in which news covers... So, so what have we done in this video? We've talked about tactical framing and then we say... We've given examples of liberal corporate media coming out and saying that the Republicans are, you know, tactically framing in so much as they're going to attack the Green New Deal in order to score political points. But the whole point of this video is that when people are tactically framing, that they're more cynical and therefore they don't care so much about the issues because they view things through a cynical tactical lens instead of really caring about making the world a better place, blah, 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 blah. Therefore, if you ignore if you ignore if you ignore the attacks on policies like the Green New Deal, regardless of whether or not they are valid, then it's all then now see we're creating a new lens. When people attack the Green New Deal, they're doing so from a tactical standpoint. What you really need to do is just believe in the Green New Deal. When people attack it, they're doing it for tactical, cynical reasons. Right? This video in of itself is tactical framing. Why do you think they use the example of the Green New Deal in the first place? So when people attack the Green New Deal, they're doing it to score political points. But the, the moral of the story here is don't be so cynical. Just believe in it. Believe in it. I mean, we're talking about the future of the human race here. He even said it himself, right? We're talking about saving humanity. Don't be so cynical. This, this in of itself, it's, even though it's gift-wrapped as, like, unwrapping propaganda, this is propaganda. Things through a political... It's saying, ignore the attacks on this policy. Just believe in it. Lens, Republicans versus Democrats, left versus right. It makes it harder for people who might be trying to find common ground in the middle. That tactical frame ends up becoming a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's covered through a partisan lens, so we react through a partisan lens, which makes partisanship the only thing that matters. It makes us political analysts. It makes us pundits, but it doesn't make us very good voters. This exact thing happened on Meet the Press a few weekends ago. Trump had tweeted a bullshit claim that the Green New Deal bullshit. would somehow ban cars, cows, and the military. How would you ban a cow. This would have been a great chance to explain what the Green New Deal actually... See, they can't help themselves, can they? Trump's bullshit claim that would ban, eliminate all plans, cars, planes, cars, cows, oil, gas, and the military. But that's ultimately what it's, it's, it's leading to. And we can tell that. We know that. We know this is the case.
all you have to do is read the Green... Why doesn't he put up the part of the Green New Deal which uh, this is referring to and disprove it that way instead of just saying it's bullshit? Right? Right? Tweeted a bullshit claim that the Green New Deal would somehow ban cars, cows... It's like, oh, okay, just put, put, the, put the policy up then. Show, show us the part... Show us the part he's referring to, bro. Uh, tactical framing. And the military. How would you ban a cow? <laughs> this would have been a great chance to explain what the Green New Deal actually does. To let voters decide for themselves if upgrading our power grid or modernizing our transportation systems is uh, a good idea. But Chuck Todd... Uh, okay, we get one to... line. We get one line. <laughs> one line. Overhauling transportation systems. That sounds that sounds fair enough to me. Don't be so cynical. Why do you have to be partisan about this for? Our transportation system. Like 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 for some reason, uh, half of the country is against overhauling transportation systems. Like that's a thing. This is a good idea. But Chuck Todd wanted to talk about 2020. Uh, David, obviously the president's General Eaton in the chat. Like kind of like how people start saying they don't like the way someone's arguing instead of discussing points. Yeah, like I don't just I just don't like the tone. Like if you bring up a counterpoint to somebody's argument and they say I don't like you I don't like you using that tone. It's like your tone of voice is very aggressive. <laughs> it's like well do you have anything to say about the substance of what I delivered to you at all? Or are you now giving me like theatre critique on my delivery? Like which is which is more important to you? I can sing my argument to you if if you prefer. The Green New Deal is horrible. It's unrealistic and weird. There's no money. There's no political clout. Your head's in the sky and you're dreaming. Is that better? Is that a better tone? Would you prefer that? I'm not sure. You, you tell me. Team sees a re-election opening. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's huge. And it's a real big pothole, I think, for the Democrats. And then you've got Donald Trump and the Make America Great Again slogan against the way he brands it. Make America Socialist we'll for the first that, no time. That is powerful, especially with those white powerful. middle class, blue collar Democrats. A lot of Republicans and moderate Democrats might actually... I, I can't figure out why the lighting is pen meme is a thing. ...like what's in this thing. But we'll never know because the batshit segment on TV is telling them this is a debate about socialism. Batshit yes crazy. Can, but I'm wondering if now it's yes we can become now a socialist Valley country. Now do Valley Girl. I don't know And Valley I know Girl. that it sounds alarmist. So I have met the press and I was deeply disappointed. You can't smoke in here. Look, maybe things are hopeless. Maybe we're too angry and divided to stop the planet from overheating. We won't actually know that until people understand what our... <laughs> See? He's got his own view. He's tactically framing all future attacks on the Green New Deal to be cynical and politically motivated instead of addressing the real issue. And the real issue is the planet is overheating and we're going to die in 12 years. You fucking rookie. Don't click on the links for this one. Well, I'm going to click on the link. Musician creates a million hour song based on the number Pi. Jam for 114 years to celebrate Pi Day. 
There are over 2.7 trillion known digits of pi. This irrational non-repeating number we all remember from primary school has inspired all manner of artistic endeavours from Kate Bush's song Pi to Martin Krasinski. Fucking Polish people, man. Why can't you just have Smith? Damn it, Poland. Just have a Smith once in a while. Krasinski? Jesus. Now, Pi Day, March 14, music software programmer Canton Becker, now there's a nice name, has crafted a million-hour song based on Pi that unfolds generatively on a virtual tape deck. The Shepherd's Pi... <laughs> See what I did there? The song combines two of Becker's favourite infinities, Pi and an auditory illusion called a shepherd tone, which he describes as an unsettling sonic illusion of a pitch that climbs or descends forever never reaching a top or bottom. Found at Pi Songs, users can tune into Shepherd's Pie in real time with a custom virtual tape deck. <laughs> the track itself evolves moment to moment, but the synthesized and sampled tones will be familiar to anyone who has ever listened to the electronic music of Kraftwerk, Tangerine Dream, Aphex Twin, and Global Communication. Far from being a mere gimmick, it is highly evocative and a transporting piece of electronical music. Alternately ambient, glitchy, and interestingly rhythmic. Well, I'll never listen to it. Thank you for that. I have no plans to listen to that at all. This is the one you might want to keep off screen and just play the sound. Why would I want to keep it off the screen? What have we got here? Why am I keeping this off the screen? You know, if you say keep it off the screen, I'm going to have to put it on the screen. Okay, let's all listen to Shepherd's Pie. So it's has it been going for 2,285 hours, 29 minutes and 47 seconds. I don't think that's genius. Do you want to see musical genius? I think I've played this before, but let's do it one more time. This is musical genius. A guy built a music machine out of wood and pulleys and stuff, and it's played with marbles. A music machine designed to play only one song. This is musical genius. Anybody can do that fucking pie shit. Sit back and enjoy. Look at this.
for the bass line, there's little marbles dropping on the bass. This is a complicated system of pulleys, Steph, yes. <laughs> Breakdown. That sock in the chat. See what you can accomplish when you don't play Xbox five hours a day. <laughs> well said, comrade. Love how he brings it back. Just imagine how, it took it, how long it took to get the little funnels to line up properly so no marbles drop on the floor and shit. God, man. See, I'm 50-50 I'm on it. I'm 50% this is amazing and you're a genius and thank you so much for making the world a better place. And the other 50% is the cynical teenager that says, get a fucking life, bro. <laughs> what, you did this? You spent 200 hours making this? Why don't you go get laid or something? Jesus. But it is it is ultimately cool. I'll go fifty one percent cool, forty nine percent. Why don't you go get laid or something, bro? Get a life. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Catastrophic temperature rise in the Arctic is locked in. UN report says. What happens in the Arctic does not stay in the Arctic. Oh dear, we're all going to die again. Rising temperatures in the Arctic are on an unsteerable course. That was hard to say. Even if drastic measures to curb climate change are undertaken, a United Nations report has found a, a new environmental report. Another one. Another new report. Shocking report. A new shocking climate report. I've, I've never known an organisation like the IPCC that gets literally every single fucking prediction they've ever made wrong. Every one. Not one that has been correct. In over 25 years, they have made predictions and predictions and predictions and not even one, not one out of hundreds of predictions has ever been correct. Not one. I don't know any other organisation that could do that for 25 years and still get money and still have people believing it. Every prediction they make, it fails and then they come out six months later, oh, we've got a new report and all of the news cycles run with it. A new shocking, cli a shocking climate report has come out saying we're all going to be dead in the next 10 years. 
Kimmy Jong-un says, this article basically says, why bother trying to fix it? I've got, I can go with you one better. Um, if you listen to people like uh, Chris Moncton, he says it's actually cheaper to address, like, let's address the problem of climate change if there is such a thing in terms of global warming and the earth is going to melt. We, we would be far better off using the money that we're currently spending on, you know, trying to stop climate change and instead redirecting it into mitigating climate change, like dealing with it. So it would be far cheaper to, you know, all of, you know how they say all of the people who live on the coast are going to be swamped by the rising sea levels. It would be far cheaper to just put all of those houses on stilts. You know what I mean? It would be cheaper to build dams in the ocean than it is to try and stop climate change. So why don't we do that? And they're like, oh, you science denier. The report was released at the United Nations Environment Assembly in Nairobi on Wednesday, birthplace of Barack Obama, on Wednesday, and adds to other recent dire predictions for the Arctic, one of the places on Earth where global warming will trigger catastrophic outcomes due to the snowballing effects of melting permafrost. They shouldn't really use snowballing effects when we're talking about global warming. Just a little, just a little editorial note there. Don't refer to snowballing if we're saying that snow is no longer going to exist. What happens in the Arctic does not stay in the Arctic. Joyce Masuya, acting executive director of the United Nations Environment, said in a statement. You know, the the head of the IPCC for about 15 years was a uh, train engineer from India. Like an engineering tycoon. A railroad tycoon from India. He, he, He wasn't a scientist. He was literally a guy who got who became a billionaire by building railroads across India. He was the head of the IPCC, and he had to quit in uh, shame after a sexual assault charge was leveled against him. They, these are the people that we're taking advice from. Give me a fucking break, man. Give me a fucking break. These temperature spikes would see massive permafrost melt, characterised as walking. I've I've got a hard drive somewhere. I don't even know where it is. It's in a box somewhere in this studio. I'll find it one day. I spent 10 years, long before I was doing podcasts, long before I was on uh, Periscope or YouTube or anything like that, I spent a good 10 years like um, writing materials, like uh, anti-climate change stuff and like actually digging right into IPCC things. And, and so I would... I would, uh, you know, somebody would give me like a policy thing and I would have to break it down and come up with ways to attack it and then send it back. And so I, I have I have a whole hard drive full of the most ridiculous climate change arguments you have ever heard in your life. And it's because it's a, it's a fear campaign. It's, it's fundamentally a fear campaign. But you know, after after doing that for like a decade, you come to the you soon come to the realization, like we saw in that video before, facts really don't matter. People don't generally care about facts. They they need to be turned on. It needs to be sexy, and there's nothing sexy about saying that climate change isn't the catastrophic, um, doom impending situation that you believe it to be. We really just need to replace catastrophic climate change with some other kind of doom to get people to, you know, get on board with a a different idea. I'm sad to say. People are addicted to doom. There's no way around it. Another one from Kimmy Jong-un. 
I love it, Fox 13, so I know it's going to be local news. I love local news stories. Weeks after Mayor's arrest, unable to connect, you motherfucker. Come on, give me local news. By the way, if anybody knows a good website that collates um, local news videos, like because the best shit that you'll find is from local news. It's not on the national carriers. So like Fox National, MSNBC National, CNN National, they, they really only go with like the really bland milk toast stuff. But I want like the local news stories where it's like, man arrested for fucking a pig. You know, you, you don't get that on the national carrier. You only get that when it's like some shitty little local Fox station, you know, in the middle of nowhere kind of thing. <laughs> but it's really hard to find an aggregator for that stuff because so much happens so quickly. They just can't, imp- like one person couldn't possibly put all of those local news stories together. Local Florida news, the best, I agree. Local Florida is fucking hectic. I got this from the one I sent you. Terence Rowe took over the mayor's job last after last month's arrest of Mayor Dale Massad. Now Rowe, Rowe's been charged with conspiracy to commit obstruction of justice. This is a big piece of the former case, which is still active and going on. What I can say about this is if you're not a witness, if you're not a witness or a subject of any criminal investigation, please don't inject or insert yourself into one. Investigators say they received information Roe was conspiring to interfere with an active criminal investigation, though they did not immediately specify what investigation. It doesn't look too good for Port Ritchie. Okay, I don't really know. I don't really know. I'm lost on that one. Two years old, but a bit of a twist on things we've seen lately. Oh, that's the one we just did. Follow Q. Christchurch Christchurch mosque shooting. Well, I'm I'm pretty sure we've been over this. To be fair. (laughs) I think we've done Christchurch. Laurie Lachlan's daughter. Olivia leaves yacht of USC Board of Trustees. Leaves yacht owned by top USC official. How old's Laurie Lachlan now? She's got to be like in her 50s, man. Yep, I still would. As Laurie Lachlan travelled from Vancouver to LA Tuesday night to surrender to federal authorities in the college bribery scandal, why does she get to surrender but uh, Roger Stone gets his front door kicked in? Can anybody answer that? Which got her daughter, Olivia Jade, into USC. Olivia spent the night on the yacht of the chairman of the USC's board of trustees, but she's off the boat now. You know what? This could be wrong and this could be a horrible stereotype, but I'm of the opinion that... um, Young, fresh-faced, uh, pretty girls don't spend the night on yachts without some kind of transaction taking place. Am I right? I don't know. You tell me. Am I horribly off base here? Do you think the girl was spending the night on the board of trustees' yacht just for good company? Really? Am I too cynical at this point? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm a horrible person. I'm not sure. But... Of all the pictures I've seen of pretty girls uh, on yachts, they're they're either serving drinks or serving something else, if that makes sense. 
you know, they're seldom they're seldom piloting the yacht and they seldom own it. It's usually some fat old rich guy who owns it. His daughter was with them. Oh, okay, they might be friends then. They might be friends. Caruso, a billionaire who has a major real estate holdings in who has major real estate holdings, including the Grove in LA, tells TMZ, my daughter and a group of students left for spring break prior to the government's announcement yesterday. Once we became aware of the investigation, the young woman decided it would be in her best interest to return home. Caruso was elected chairman of the USC's Board of Trustees last year. We are told the board will not decide the fate of Olivia and other students involved in the case. That decision is left squarely in the hands of the university's president. Gee. I mean, shit, if you say the wrong thing on campus, you can be kicked off today. If you write a paper that's offensive or something like that, you can be kicked off today. If you're... If your mother is arrested for bribing the school for putting you in there, well, well, we don't want to make rash decisions. We don't want to make rash decisions. Donald Trump signs an executive order today <laughs> to ensure free speech in exchange for federal funding, and they're all going to be like, oh, you can't do this, you Nazi. Higher education is completely screwed. FCC to auction off wireless spectrum that could interfere with... Vital wealth, vital weather data, rejecting requests from US House and science agencies. The FCC intends to move ahead with a plan to auction off wireless radio frequencies that scientists say could harm critical satellite data used in weather forecasting. Oh, we wouldn't want to harm the weather forecasting because they've been right all along. Fuck, they might start getting, if, tell you what. If, if wireless radio frequencies start interfering with weather forecasting satellites, then we might get a forecast that's actually fucking accurate for once. Wouldn't that be a nice change? I can't wait. The FCC said the auction, scheduled Thursday, will proceed despite protests from the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration and NASA, as well as two committees in the US House. For months, the FCC, supporting the interests of advancing 5G wireless technology, had sparred with NOAA and NASA, which have fought to protect the wireless radio frequencies, or spectrum, along and adjacent to frequencies weather data is passed. Last week, the agencies reached an impasse when the FCC rejected an NOAA and NASA request for further deliberation on spectrum policy, in a last-ditch effort to intervene, three subcommittee chairs from the House Appropriations Committee, the House Science Committee. How many committees are there? Chaired by Rep. Eddie Bernice Johnson, penned, a separate, penned separate letters Wednesday to FCC Chairman uh, Ajit Pai, asking that the auction be delayed. But FCC spokesman Brian Hart told the Washington Post in an email that the auction would proceed. Thursday's 24 gigahertz auction is an important step towards securing American leadership in 5G. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. While our nation's international competitors would undoubtedly be pleased if we delayed this auction of Greenfield Spectrum at the last minute, the FCC will move forward as planned so that our nation can win the race to 5G and the American people can quickly enjoy the benefits of next generation of wireless connectivity. Yes, we have to be first. Fuck, fuck the research. Fuck the concerns. We just need to be first. 
It's it's like clickbait at government level. Don't you feel safe? The most powerful government in the world, ladies and gentlemen. Racing to install <laughs> racing to install a whole new system of how devices interact with each other in the, you know, in the cloud, so to speak. A whole new system of how in- information is transferred at lightning speed. And we need to do it first. We just need to be doing it before everybody else does. That's the main concern here. Absolutely horrifying. Doctors have to invent a new tool to remove a 23-inch sex toy. Now we're talking. Now we're getting into the good stuff. Thank you, Stefan Sears. Stefan Sears can always be counted on to find this shit. Doctors have to invent a new tool to remove a 23-inch sex toy from a man after it got stuck for 24 hours. Due to the smoothness and size of the object, none of the tools uh, medics normally use were able to grab hold of the sex toy. Let's have a look at this. Oh! (coughs) God! (coughs) Fuck! Jesus! If you're listening to the podcast, you can't see this, but we're looking at an x-ray and at the bottom, you can see a pelvis, you can see a spine, and it's basically a dildo that goes from the anal cavity up to the guy's armpit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Woo! That's a hot night on the town. Fuck, man. I'm not even going to ask how it got in there. Wow. (laughs) He unsuccessfully struggled to remove the dildo for 24 hours. That was a hard day. I mean, 24 hours trying to get a dildo, you know, that's 23 inches long out of your ass that's gone through your rib cage and is now sticking up into your armpit. You'd almost prefer to be in the hands of ISIS, wouldn't you, at that point? Like you'd rather be in a Taliban prison than struggle with that for 24 hours. With a dildo that big up your ass protruding into into your abdomen, you'd be like, oh, you know what? Just cut my fucking head off. I've had enough. I'm done. That is that is brutal. That is brutal. Wow. There it is. Even the experts had a, a tough time removing uh, retrieving the smooth sizable toy. <clears throat> The red-faced 31-year-old went to hospital 24 hours after the dildo became stuck. He told doctors he was suffering from mild, mild abdominal pain, but other than that, had no symptoms that were causing concern. X-rays showed a large and long-sized foreign body in his colon. Doctors at a <laughs> RST. Oh, I can't. That can't be true. That can't be true. 
AWST Great Metropolitan Hospital in Nicaragua. No, it's Naguada, Italy. Is it is it really asked? Doctors at asked. Look at that. AWST Great Metropolitan Hospital. Asked. <laughs> Sometimes the universe just smiles at you. I mean, if you're going to get a 23-inch dildo out of your back passage, you better go to the Arst Hospital. Am I right? Due to the smoothness and size of the object, none of the tools medics had were able to grab hold of the sex toy. The grabbing devices were either too loose or simply didn't have the range to, <laughs> to latch on to such a large foreign body. The doctors wrote in a case report. Stuck for ideas on how to remove the dildo, the quick-thinking medics invented a new tool using medical wire to latch onto it and pull it out. Wow. <sighs> Horrifying. Horrifying, but a good night out. A good night out, nonetheless. Oh, no. Oh, God. It's another Steel Panther video. It's another Steel Panther. I'll play it, but fuck. <laughs> These are terrible. <laughs> These are terrible, Steph. Hi. Today. What? I'm Lexi Fox. Laura in the chat says, I bet everyone in the hospital was called in for a consult. Yeah, I bet too. Like even the janitor. It was like, hey, hey, Rodriguez, come in here. Take a look at this. Take a look at this. Uh, why Why are you asking the guy with a mop in his hand? Well, he he handles a big thing like a mop. Like, we might be able to get his expertise. Hey, how do you get the mop out of the bucket when your hands are really slippery? Why don't you come in here and take a look at this? Sir, would you mind spreading them for me? Spreading them? You know, let's bring the class in. Students, come in. <laughs> come in here and have a look. Director of the hospital comes in, the taxi driver. I'm Sticks it in. We're doing Science Panther. We're doing we're doing a science, science panther. panther. Today is special because why is it special, Lexi? I didn't know you were gonna ask me. We're doing the volcano experiment, which is perfect for science fairs. You know, like elementary school. You got a pipe wrench. Middle school, some high school, but mostly, like you know, but mostly uh, it's known around the world that volcanoes are dangerous for everybody, especially when you have a house at the bottom of it, or if you're running around and, and they, they go... running around a volcano, it's just go dangerous. Ahead. So. So uh, let's just, why don't we get into it? Let's do it. All right? Don't try this at home. Would, you, would I put it in okay, here? Okay, so this is a volcano. For Which, the, for this. But it's not a real, most volcanoes are not shaped like this. Ah, oh, you're a sick man, Steph. Hang on, way to go. Volcano. It's just go dangerous. Ahead. Are not shaped like this. This looks like this a is, cock. This is a special volcano. It's fucking bitchin' looking. This is what happens. Now? So, what so what we're gonna do is we're gonna show you what happens when you mix sodium bicarbonate and vinegar. So right now, Lexi Fox has mm. not in me. <clears throat> Lexi Fox has the vinegar. He's gonna pour it into the cock volcano. You're a horrible scientist. You are. We're doing it on purpose. You are. So we can show them what happens. All right. Now. So now we're going to take the baking <laughs> this soda. This is so bad. We're going to mix it into the water. I don't water know why I keep playing these. Where we <laughs> have the R2-D2. 
It's gonna mix right with the C3PO. Let me stir it up some more. Really get it going. You ready? Yep. Well, don't apologize right. for the link so yet, Kimmy. We haven't seen it yet. When you mix vinegar. Apologize after we watch it. Like Stefan should be doing every time he sends this shit through. Fuck it out. It's shot out the top. That's hot science right there. And also, that's how babies are made. So dumb. So dumb. <laughs> so dumb. Sodium. Study finds a race gap in air pollution. Whites largely cause it. Black and Hispanics breathe it. Okay. Really? I, I didn't know Chinese and Indian people were white. Did you know that? Didn't know that. The air Americans breathe isn't equal. God. God. Are they really doing this? Blacks and Hispanics disproportionately breathe air that's been polluted by non-Hispanic whites, according to a study. This new research quantifies for the first time the racial gap between who causes air pollution and who breathes it. Give me a fucking break. Pollution is disproportionately caused by whites. <laughs> No, it's not. <laughs> it's not. It's not. But disproportionately inhaled by black and Hispanic minorities. Poor air quality remains the largest environmental health risk in the United States, the study warns. In fact, with 100,000 deaths per year, more Americans die from air pollution than car crashes and murders combined. Well, you know what? LA is pretty fucking polluted, and I guess LA is run by a whole bunch of fucking white liberals, and I guess there's a whole bunch of fucking black people and Hispanic people living in LA, breathing the pollution that is created from white liberals, so yes, it's fine, it's, you're fucking right. Moral of the story is, nuke LA, and then everybody will be saved from the fucking racist air pollution. Jesus Christ, what is wrong with you people? From Original Rev, this is the cringiest thing I've ever seen in my life. Oh, I like the look of it already, though. I like the look of it already. It's like uh, Pinky, 1950 stuff. Head of Ted Cruz yet? Uh-uh. By the way, where'd you meet him? I first saw him on Ellen DeGeneres. He's taking on the GOP. You get the picture? Yes, we see. And Beto does it without a super pack. <laughs> Here he comes now. I love it. With kids, but he's I love it. My man. It's beautiful. Man, man. Oh, no. See, this isn't cringy. This is ironically gorgeous. 
See, Cassandra, you shouldn't have you shouldn't have tweeted this. This is fucking fantastic. This is brilliant. And he does it without a super pack. This is great because it's cheesy. The left are learning how to be cheesy and funny. Uh-oh. It's cute. It's cute. I like it. I'm going to watch it again. Ahead of Ted Cruz yet? Uh-uh. By the way, where'd you meet him? I first saw him on Ellen DeGeneres. He's Good. Love it. I can see why the kids would like him. If this is what they roll out. Because it's dumb and funny. You know what the kids don't listen to? They don't listen to people like Ted Cruz standing there talking about the Constitution. They don't care about that shit. Kids love dumb stuff like this. They're like, oh, he's cool. He's hip. He's young. It's fun. You know, it's dumb. And then what's what's on the other side? Oh, boring Ted Cruz. What's he going to talk about? The Constitution again? Oh, boring. So boring. You know what I mean? It's good. My heart was stolen and he's the burglar. My triple meat liberal. What a burger. You turned me into a... Oh, you say, you say it didn't help him for the midterms. There's He shouldn't have got as close to Ted Cruz as he did, to be fair. He he did a lot better than most people thought he would. So you got to give him credit there. I mean, fuck, he was, what was it, like three points off. He was three points off with this beating uh, a constitutional Republican in Texas. That should be horrifying to Republicans in Texas. I feel so much better now. The last time I saw him was at a rally at Auditorium Shores. <laughs> he was jamming out with Willie Nelson oh. and 50,000 of his closest friends. But then in came the Koch brothers and Mitch McConnell and Shredder from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Look out, brother, look out, look out. <laughs> Here comes the big dark money machine. Me. Uh-huh. They put Ted Cruz all over my Maybe I'm biased because I like that kind of music anyway. If you want to see a really cringy um, campaign ad, I've got one for you. This See, this was a legitimate campaign ad for a guy named Zick, Nick Xenophon who ran in South Australia. This was his campaign commercial. See, to me, that's not cringy. That's like ironic and like it's it's deliberately trying to be cringy. Therefore, it's funny. This was not deliberately trying to be cringy. This was real. And this guy got elected too. So this is a this is a legitimate cringy campaign ad. 
the state is going backwards. Let's stop that in its tracks. A true blue caring party. That's what SA lacks. Stop soaring power prices. Kids going interstate. Vote for change with SA Best before it's too damn late. All the all the all the nominees there. Oh, it's bad. Jobs are disappearing, so what's a future hold? <laughs> Government's overspending, oh, they can't be told. Public health is in a crisis, our kids need proper care. Our money's not used wisely. It's bad, it's just not fair. He's in the hospital bed. This is the leader of the party. The guy, the guy in the in the ad singing the song is the leader of the party. Your best interests. Bring parties to account. Give back power to the people. There's kids skateboarding for some reason. The best for small business. There's Indian girls dancing. Nobody knows why there's Indian girls dancing. Like why are they in the supermarket dancing? Nobody knows. Nobody understands this ad at all. Look at them. <laughs> This is cringy. We'll do our essay best so the state don't go to rust. Create more jobs. He's laying down in the hay. He's, he's serving flowers. Pokies, drugs and crime. Get on top of crime. Essay best, it's time. They're the Indian girls again. Nobody knows. And all the people in the party are singing. They're singing the song. It's getting a thumbs up in the hospital bed. It's insane. And he won the election. And he got in. He won. People voted for that. So if you don't think that if you don't if you if you thought the Beto song was bad, that I've just shown you bad, and the bad got in. The bad won. So you're in trouble. <laughs> You're in trouble because the Beto song was pretty fucking good, to be fair. To be brutally honest. Is this the 80s? No, this was last year. This was last year in Australia that that ad came out. Woman's car hit by unexpected object. A woman has been shocked after her car was hit by a flying cock. Warning, graphic content. A woman has revealed the hilarious moment she realised her car headlight cover had been broken by a flying cock. Northern Rivers, New South Wales woman Felicity Durham was on her... Just an average average Monday in Australia. Just a normal Monday. Let's have a look here. See what we've got. Dildo racing. What the hell do you girls get up to when we're not around? The hell are you doing? You know, we just watch football and drink beer and shit. You've got you're doing dildo racing? What the fuck?
Okay. On my way home to Ocean Shores from Bruns, Brunswick, yesterday, my car was struck, breaking my headlight cover by what I thought was a cockatoo, which is a bird. <clears throat> Miss Durham wrote. So naturally, I turned around at the Ra- Rajar Road roundabout to see what it was, but it was in fact a king cock, not a cockatoo. A photo included in the post made it clear the damage was not caused by a bird, but an empty box for a seven-inch uncut cock. Ms. Durham told the Courier-Mail there was no dildo in the box, and it was strange that it had damaged her headlight cover. I think it was maybe just the impact, because they were going so fast in the opposite direction, and I was going about 70 kilometres an hour, which I think is about 40 miles an hour. Strangely, she said, one of her friends had the same thing happen. They were hit by a flying dildo at the same place. It's an epidemic. There's the king cock box. Real uncut cock. (laughs) Despite the damage, Ms. Durham is finding it hard to take the incident so seriously. I would ordinarily be fairly more upset, but this was just too funny. Well, that's the right attitude to have, I think. Still another Steel Panther. The fight for freedom? Or is this about the... Yes, about the pussy melder. Another another guitar pedal. The Poontang Boomerang. Steel Panther continues to fight for freedom of speech with the release of their second guitar pedal, a digital delay called the Poontang Boomerang. Nice. The announcement comes on the heels of the now infamous pussy melter distortion guitar pedal banned by popular gear resale site Reverb.com. California rock legends, I'm going to have to fact check that, Steel Panther continue their fight for freedom of speech and their work to create a safe space for all creative expressionism in the music instrument world with the release of their second guitar pedal, a digital delay called the Poontang Boomerang. The pedal, which takes its name from a song on the band's latest release, Lower the Bar, is a digital delay pedal developed by Satchel in conjunction with the team who built the critically acclaimed Pussy Melter. It is made in the USA, has a toggle switch, g'day and crikey, and four knobs so guitarists of all genders can customise distance, feedback, dry and wet parameters of the tone to their individual liking. (laughs) An official statement from the band regarding the new pedal and reverb situation is below. We heard from people all over the world that the eargasms they got from the pussy melter were amazing and that they only wanted more. Up to face any challenge, the scientific team of Steel Panther hunkered down in the lab only to re-emerge, having created the world's greatest digital delay pedal that would keep the sensations repeating for any guitarist, male, female, non-binary, and or gender fluid over and 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 over. Get it? It's a delay pedal, silly. I like that they put the non-binary and gender fluid in there. So it applies to everybody. You don't have to be haters. They're not bigots. There are other guys there looking increasingly like middle-aged women as they age. Get a haircut. Fantastic stuff. The Poontang pedal. All right. This week, let's move on to this week. <laughs> Only say, is there a video? Is there a video one here? I need to rest for a minute. Only seven black students got into Stuyvesant, New York's most selective high school out of 895 spots. 
Only a a tiny number of black students were offered admission to the highly selective public schools in New York City on Monday, raising the pressure on officials to confront the decades-old challenge of integrating New York's elite public schools. At Stuyvesant High School, out of 895 slots in the freshman class, only seven were offered to black students, and the number of black students is shrinking. There were 10 black students admitted into Stuyvesant last year and 13 the year before. Well, I guess New York is just racist then, right? Isn't that the way this this kind of thing normally goes? That's the way this normally works. Sorry. Sorry, isn't that... Uh, isn't New York one of those cities that tries to tell the rest of the world how racist they are all the time? And so if only seven black students are getting into the elite schools in New York, why the fuck are people from New York trying to tell the rest of the country how to run school systems? Wouldn't that be a fair thing to say? I'm not sure. Am I out of line? Uh, I'm going to play this from the 1980s with one of uh, the greatest minds, not only one of the greatest American minds, but one of the greatest minds Western civilization has ever seen, Thomas Saul, back in the 1980s, talking about the path to better schools. We have with us Mrs. Harriet uh, Pilpel, who's well known to this uh, viewers of this program. Mrs. Pilpel is uh, an attorney with Greenbaum, Wolf and Ernst, a graduate of Vassar and of the Columbia Law School, and very active in a number of liberal and feminist uh, movements. Mrs. Pilpel. Television in the 1980s was so upbeat, wasn't it? Or, as you said many blacks today who are still being given totally inadequate education yes. cannot be expected to get very far for that reason what would be your remedy for that i know oh i would oh that that's uh, very easy i would allow their parents to have a choice of where to send them to school whether that choice is called a voucher scheme school choice <laughs> remember how we hate school choice so much school choice is awful open enrollment, tuition tax credit, any kind of scheme of that sort that would put that power in the hands of their parents, mainly because that would mean that the schools would have to be responsive to them. As it is now, the school is a monopoly. They need not be responsive. I have relatives right here in New York uh, whom I've had to intervene for because the schools would not even treat them decently, much less give them access to the information they wanted that they were entitled to under the law. If you put it in the hands of the parents, and the parents are themselves uneducated mm -hmm. and not really aware of what the various potentials are, what makes you think that they would decide more intelligently than the present system? I think, again, history. Uh, blacks, as blacks emerged from slavery, oh, a minute percentage could read or write, and yet in half a century, over half the black population was literate. Uh, an economic historian has called that one of the most remarkable things in history. If you look back to the era prior to the Civil War, when there were free blacks about uh, half a million in the United States, they not only were not allowed in the public schools, they were in some states forbidden even to send their children to private schools and had to do so clandestinely. And yet the census of 1850 showed that most free blacks could read and write. 
Hmm. So I don't think that uh, the fact that, that people funny? have little education means that they are in any way uh, uh, poorer judges than distant bureaucrats who have their own access to grind and run the public school system. But you yourself said that you thought one of the reasons why blacks were still in an underprivileged position. It's those like we haven't changed are, much, have we, since the 1980s? Had not been given a we haven't changed much since the 1980s. We still have uh, elderly white women trying to dictate terms to African-American people, even when the African-American people are telling them that they're wrong about all of their ideas, the elderly white women still stand and say, no, no, I know you better than you know yourself. I need to protect you. I need to decide for you what the best way forward is for your people and your education. And you you can't choose for yourself. You, you can't choose for yourself. You're too ignorant. You're not educated enough. Let me, the old white lady, decide for you and the rest of society by extension what the best way forward is to educate you people. We, we haven't changed much, have we? There's, and you look today, there's still old white ladies in the, on the left-hand side of the spectrum still telling black people what, what's best for them in terms of education, how they can't be trusted to choose their own schools, how they can't be trusted with too much freedom because, gosh darn it, those, those, those well-meaning Negroes, they just ain't got the learnings that's required. If you want to talk about white supremacy, let's talk about the elderly, educated white liberals who have the supremacy of dictating terms of freedom to everybody else. There's your fucking white supremacy right there. There's your white supremacy. No, you can't have a choice. You, c you can't have school choice. You can't, you can't have freedom. You're not educated enough. That's your white supremacy. Proper education. Yes. And we are now talking about people who had not been given a proper education, making decisions for their children as to what is a proper education. Georgia, and you're Washington. saying that they, if that was put up to them, mm -hmm. they would make a wiser choice than the present efforts to integrate the let schools. Me, let, let me uh, say that if they would not make a very different choice, it would be hard to understand the hysterical opposition of teachers' unions to giving them that, that opportunity. Well, I have no comment on that, but I would like to... I have no comment. Oh, well, you don't know everything, do you? Oh, uh, I, I, I believe with Dr. Soule that uh, the voucher system uh, obviously encourages parents to use the same kind of selectivity that's available to, to parents who have enough money to send their children to private schools. And that to to give the, the soft to bigotry give a of low expectations, Jennifer to parents of poor children, uh, the same versatility that is given to parents of wealthier children uh, is obviously desirable. And you think that their ability to make the decision is equal? No, no. <laughs> they don't. They don't see you. You see. You see. We care so much. We care so much about the minorities that we understand that those those poor, unlearned Negroes don't have the ability to make their own decisions because we're tolerant and progressive and we understand what people need more than they understand for themselves. It's disgusting, isn't it? And we haven't changed much. You've, st you've still got elderly white women on the left trying to dictate terms to the rest of society. That's white supremacy right there in a nutshell. Dems speaking of elderly white women and supremacy, Dems to strike, so help you God from the oath taken in front of Key House Committee draft shows. 
hate it when you get these mobile sites. Let's have a little so look here. Let's get some reaction from the Republican side of the aisle. Let's have a look here at Nazi Pelosi. With Texas Congressman and a member of the House Freedom Caucus, Louis Gohmert. Congressman, I want to ask you about something that Ann Coulter said last night. She called President Trump the biggest wimp ever to serve as President <laughs> of the United States. Do you think that President Trump has caved to Speaker Pelosi? Uh, no, I don't think he's. <sighs> you know, Fox News isn't much better, are they? To be fair, let's have a serious discussion here. Somebody called President Trump a wimp. Do you agree? <laughs> I, I've got no idea why people are turning off cable news. I don't know. You tell me. I've got no idea why. Cape to Speaker Pelosi. Uh, this is uh, round one of a you know twelve round bout, maybe fifteen. But uh, so <laughs> this and and this is a very strategic move on the president's part. Uh, was visiting with him privately over the White House on Wednesday, and I know what he's doing. And this was a good move on his part. He has not capitulated on the wall. The problem is when you're dealing with leaders in a party who are more concerned about political victories than they are about protecting the country, then you you really have a tough time. And then when you've got a Senate that has people that got elected to do nothing uh, as Republicans except make uh, president. Just with that, see President Trump holding up the little the little cardboard there. I understand why he's doing it because, you know, you can say, look, look at these numbers and, you know, it's all lined out. Can't we get the president a fucking big screen TV in the back there? Can't we roll in an LCD TV screen? Can't we do that? What about, why can't we bring down a projector screen? You know, if you would just, if you would just avert your gaze momentarily to the projector, I will outline for you instead of holding up this ridiculous little card like I'm teaching kindergarten kids. I mean, it's the most advanced, it's the most advanced country on earth. <laughs> the most advanced technology on the face of the earth. Can't we get the president a flat screen TV to do this shit? Why does he have to hold up a little cardboard sign? Doesn't seem right to me. You really have a tough time. And then when you've got a Senate that has people that got elected to do nothing uh, as Republicans except make uh, President Trump's life miserable, it, it's a tough area but to Congressman, navigate. Congressman, the, the question for weeks has been, you know, uh, who blinks first? Yeah, a point How like is Paul this Ryan. not President Trump blinking first? Well, you could say it's a blink, but the truth is uh, this comes back on February 15th. And the, also the truth is we have an invasion on our southern border. And I, I'm getting tired of hearing the liberals yeah, say. I knew those hey, comments are coming. <laughs> People are like, but they are like kindergartens. They are like kids. Fair, to, fair point. Touche. Touche. Listen here, crackerjack. The rules proposal places the words, so help you God, in red brackets, indicating they are slated to be cut. The words under penalty of law are in red text. What is wrong with the Democrats? <clears throat> Surely they must know that a large section, particularly of the African-American community, upon which they rely for so much of their voting base, Surely they know that a large chunk of that community are indeed Christians themselves, right? Or am I? Do they not know this? I mean, who the fuck is who the fuck is taking care of the demographic breakdowns at the Democrat Party? 
this they, they they are so obsessed with pandering to the hard left the atheist nihilistic left now that they they they're just burning the fields it's like <clears throat> it's like the retreating russian army burning the fields so the nazis couldn't take it couldn't eat corn it's insane i mean we did the story earlier in the week about new zealand eliminating you know G, the word jesus christ from the parliamentary prayer because we want to be inclusive to people how is mentioning the name Jesus Christ exclusive to anybody? I don't get it. Do you solemnly swear or affirm under penalty of law that the testimony you're about to give is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? But so help you God needs it. Why, 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 why have it at all? Why just say, hey, bro, you telling lies? That's good enough. That'll be that'll be what it is in like the year, you know, twenty seventy five. In twenty seventy five, it won't be. Do you solemnly swear or affirm under penalty of law the whole truth, nothing but the truth? So help you God. It won't be that at all. In twenty seventy five, it'll be like, bro, you telling lies. You jiving me, dog. I do solemnly swear that everything I say is straight up and down with y'all. And I ain't nothing. I ain't doing no lying, motherfucker. Welcome to welcome to Congress. <clears throat> it is incredible, but not surprising that the Democrats would try to remove God from committee proceedings in one of their first acts in the majority. That's the point. Like, we elect us. We're going to hold Donald Trump to account. Okay, we're in. We won. We won the war. We won the midterms. What's the first thing we got to do? Uh, you know that God thing in the swearing in? Can we get rid of that? Can we get rid of the God thing from the testimonies in the, you know, in the swearing in, in the committee proceedings? Can we get rid of that? Great idea. Wait, wait. Surely one of the Democrats must have been like, wait, weren't we elected to, you know, healthcare, schools, all that kind of shit? Shut up. <laughs> We've got to kill God first. Then we can, then we can move forward. It's insane. I don't get it. <coughs> This is from Amber. Thanks for joining us, Amber. Mouse-proud rodents seen tidying up tools in garden shed in South Gloucestershire. See, the English really are polite. Even the mice in England are polite. Put the tools away. Let's have a look. That's too heavy. Can't get that one up there. Another bolt. <laughs> going for the chain again. No, not that time, fella. There you go. <laughs> Tidying up his shed. There you go. Isn't that fun? <laughs> I love that. Random tidy mouse. 
Lady Fritz has sent this one through. Lots of confusion here. Gender fluid sex worker. Well, we've started well. We're off on the right foot, aren't we? A gender fluid sex worker shocks Twitter with airplane toilet licking selfie video. See, look. You know, we're now at the stage where people are trying so desperately because we've mainstreamed, like, basically deranged. Kiss your mother with that mouth. We've mainstreamed, like, disgusting, debauched, degenerate behavior to such an extent that in order to get recognized, people are just having to go far beyond any extreme imaginable just to get like just to get their 15 seconds of fame you know what i mean this is how you accelerate the downfall of uh like decency in a society she's you know she was probably thinking to herself shit how can i get famous on twitter what hasn't been done yet lick in the airplane toilet because i'm gross like that and, like, you know, she loves the fame that comes with being caught on film licking a toilet. You know, once upon a time, it was purely the arena of drunken bucks nights to have video of somebody, you know, kissing a toilet. And it was like, oh, no, don't show that video. Don't show me that video. I don't want to know. You make sure you delete that video. Now, if you have video of yourself kissing a toilet, well, you upload it yourself to Instagram or, or Twitter or Facebook or YouTube. You you do it yourself. <laughs> Once upon a time, our friends would take embarrassing videos or photographs of us and upload it to social media. Now we do it for our own sake. Now we do it ourselves. Scary thought. Ah, oh, yeah. Aren't you just gorgeous? Sex worker has shocked social media users. I'm surprised anybody's shocked. I'm not shocked. The gender fluid passenger who identifies as neither a man or a woman or or a turd or otherwise, by the looks of it, posted the footage on Twitter under the handle Grimiest, Grimiest. Grimiest can be seen bending over the airplane toilet and licking the seat. The 12-second video has gathered 6.25 million views. On the upside, you know a chick who's willing to do that will pretty much do anything. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? It's like, hey, babe, you know, I've got this I've got this really weird fetish. I don't know if you'd be... Yep. <laughs> hey, follow me out to the barn for a second. I've got this idea. Sure thing. Sure thing. I'm down. Whatever. Can I film it and post it? I've licked a lot of toilets in my day, but this was the first that made my tongue go numb. There you go. There's a wedding photo. It's wife material. That's definitely wife material. Don't bitch to me about cleaning the toilets, woman. I married you because you licked one. A lesser known problem of galactic con conquest. Herpes in space. 
herpes in space. As our planet collapses around us, we are starting to suspect that sci-fi flicks featuring stars in spandex terraforming Mars for the masses are far-fetched. But even the sourest sceptic amongst us couldn't come up with this one. Never mind the unsurvivable radiation or media strikes, forget alien invasions and deadly boredom. If anything's flaring, it isn't soul, it's your skin. Space travel tends to reactivate herpes, NASA admitted in Frontiers in Microbiology. How apt. More than half the astronauts who flew on the space shuttle in International Space, space Station suffered reactivation of latent herpes infection and grew worse the longer the missions lasted. You know what we should do? We should put the toilet bowl liquor on one of these space stations, lick the herpes up. Like on land, the virus awakes from dormancy and is reproduced in the astronaut's skin cells and appears in their body fluids. Like on Earth, stress has a lot to do with it, the science explains. Uh, at least most of the space cases were asymptomatic. Oh God, I'm asymptomatic. God. I'm sorry. <clears throat> After nearly four and a half hours of reading, I'm getting really lazy. And I'm getting every every minute brings me closer to having to spend the next twenty hours breaking this studio down. I apologize for that mispronunciation. I suspect a lot of the um aliens I nearly said. I suspect a lot of the astronauts have herpes because when they're not training or doing homework or what have you, preparing for their mission, they're probably fucking each other's brains out, wouldn't you think? Like, you know, everybody knows um, with the athletes, right? So when they go to the Olympics in the athletes' village, I don't know if you've heard these stories or not, but they reckon there's just fucking condoms everywhere. Because once the athletes... Because you think about it, you've been training every single day for four years to go to the Olympics... Once your event's over, it turns and you've got all of like the hottest bodies on earth around you. Once it, once your event's over, they all just fuck each other's brains out in the athlete's village. It's basically an orgy at the Olympics every four years. It's a true story. At the, at the Olympics, once, once, once their event is over, they get like the rest of the week and they just go nuts and fuck each other stupid. I think it's fantastic. <laughs> Speaking of sex, woman forced X to have sex holding a machete to his face. She a lovely looking young individual. A Montana woman broke into a man's house with a machete. I thought Montana is where normal people lived. Looks like I've been mistaken. Broke into a man's house with a machete, ordered him to take off his clothes and forced him to have sex with her, police said. That is hot. Samantha Ray Mears, 19, was charged Friday with two felonies, aggravated burglary and assault with a weapon, as well as several misdemeanors for the incident. Why not rape? Why wasn't she charged with rape? aggravated burglary and assault with a weapon. Where's the rape? Didn't she basically rape him? Fuck me or I'll kill you. That's pretty much rape, isn't it? Mears reportedly broke into her ex of seven years' house on Friday while he was away. When he returned, she confronted him with a large knife, demanded that he take off all of his clothes and ordered him to lie on his bed. 
Fearing bodily harm, the victim complied and she proceeded to move her, remove her pants and climb on top of him. Mears then began to engage him in sexual intercourse, all while still holding the machete. When he tried to get her to stop, Mears refused and bit him on the arm. After she finished, she sat naked on the bed, brandishing the weapon. At that point, the victim was able to take several photos of her, which he then turned over to the police's evidence. Where can we find these photos? <laughs> when an argument ensued soon after, an enraged Mears ripped a piece of trim from the victim's wall and deliberately urinated in his bed. <laughs> oh, God. The ex-boyfriend was able to alert the authorities after claiming he needed to call a friend, then escaping the room to dial 911. According to the Tribune, Mears was also arrested in April after a previous argument at the victim's home where she grabbed his hair, hit him in the face, and attempted to strangle him. The state has also filed a restraining order against the defendant. There you go. The machete fucker. I would. I would. Men baffled by 12-pound penis cleaner, but some say it makes manhood look magical. One man recently admitted on national television that he hadn't washed his penis in decades. Ew. Ew. I tell you what, man, if, you, if you're not washing your penis in decades, no woman's going to hold a machete to your face, pal. Men and women watching at home were equally repulsed by the admission, but some also shared their own personal hygiene struggles, the struggle for a clean dick. For those that fall into the latter category, there is now a simple $12 solution for you that recently hit supermarket shelves and is also being flogged on Amazon. Why do you need a special penis cleaner? When, when soap isn't enough, right? <laughs> when soap isn't good enough. Oh, no, I, I need some special... I need some specially designed dick wash for, for what I've got going on down here. I need some lab shit. I mean, the gunk. You don't want to know. It's called Boner's Penis Cleaner, and some men claim the stuff has left their privates looking magical and smelling like rainbows. <laughs> what does a rainbow smell like? To me, a rainbow smells like wet grass. Dad, Dean Murray, was surprised to see a bottle of the cleaner on sale in Shropshire, Shropshire supermarket. The 41-year-old shared a photo of it on Twitter, writing, Oh my God, what is wrong with just a bit of soap and water? He well, obviously, you don't want your penis to taste like a rainbow. Taste, taste the rainbow. That would be the line I'd use. Honey, did you see what I used on my penis? Oh my God, you bought that penis cleaner. Do you want to taste the rainbow? He joked about adding a squirt of lemon juice if you wanted to smell fresh, though he doesn't actually recommend try this. men try this at home. Many people replied to his post saying they wanted to know what the cleaner actually smelt like. <laughs> According to one enthusiastic reviewer on Amazon, the cleaner smells like rainbows. They gave the product five stars and added, amazing, penis looked magical afterwards and smelled like rainbows. Another reviewer seemed also to be a fan of the cleaner, but obviously wasn't impressed by its price tag. After testing the three most used methods of penis cleansing, I have found out 
I have found that out of soap and water, green tea shampoo, and bonus pe- bonus penis cleaner, that this product would have had five stars if it was priced for sale in B and M or the local pound shop. There you go. The product description online informs men that Boner's Penis Cleaner is intended for use before and after, quote, sexy games. However, it also says men can use it as intimate soap in the shower following exercise or whenever they feel their genitals just need a little refreshing boost. A refreshing boost. It continues, the penis cleaner provides a clean and fresh feeling and is gentle on the skin. Well, that's what counts. That's the main thing. Fresh penis. I don't know. If I, if I had chicks, you know, trying to storm my house, holding a machete to my face and demanding that I have sex with them, I might just keep my penis dirty, to be fair. A legal immigrant arrested at border for having sex with a cow. Now we're talking. Thank you, Kimmy Jong-un. Yes. This is the shit I'm talking about. I I know somebody who needs some penis freshener. Woo! Somebody's going to need a freshen up. Utter madness. Well, they're not just breaking the laws by coming to America illegally. They're now having sex with animals. Literally. Police and U.S. Border Patrol agents observed a man who appeared to be having sex with a cow near the Hidalgo County line, the Star County Sheriff's Office stated. The story was first reported by the local newspaper El Dejano, noting that when deputies arrived at the scene, Border Patrol agents provided additional information and the location where the suspect was reportedly seen with the cow. Authorities interviewed 28-year-old Jose Nino, a Mexican national who was in the country illegally and in the cow illegally, I might add. Yeah. Yeah, baby. <clears throat> Sheriff's deputies then arrested. The best thing about, the best part about having sex with a cow is it's just got one really big tit with like a whole bunch of nipples. Sheriff's deputies then arrested Nino and then took him to the Star County Jail. He went before Justice of the Peace Ramiro Guilen who formally charged him with one count of bestiality, a state jail felony, and set his bond at $1,500. Personal, $1,500. I tell you something. If you're having sex with a cow, you don't have $1,500. If you had $1,500, you would be having sex with a regular female hooker, my friend. The, the very fact that you caught him having sex with a cow, to me, proves that he doesn't have $1,500 to put his name to. He was then turned over by deputies to Border Patrol, according to Breitbart News. There you go. To be fair, it is a pretty good-looking fucking cow. Very handsome cow. Finally, I did see this the other day. I was hoping someone would send it in. I knew somebody would. Thank you, Amber. Man forced to shorten fence gets revenge with naked mannequins. Santa Rosa city officials threatened a $500 a day fine until the homeowner cut the fence in half. A man in Santa Rosa, California, forced to reduce the size of his fence, got some payback on City Hall with the help of some naked mannequins. There's there's another story. There's one with a video.
Here we go. We'll talk about airing your grievances. A North Bay homeowner was forced to cut down his brand new fence. So, Veronica De La Cruz shows us he decided to give the neighborhood quite a view. See, this is the stuff I'm talking about, these little local news reports. If anyone knows a good website where they collect all of these little local news report videos of the, like, the wacky stories like this, please let me know, because I love this shit. They're hard to find. Well, I think it's hysterical. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's great. Right. This tea party is the talk of the town in Santa Rosa. It's weird. Because they're naked. Why, why are they blacking out the, the plastic breasts of the mannequins? Do you remember that episode we did, like, I don't know, it was maybe a month ago, we played the Cardi B film clip, do you remember? Money, oh, oh, money. Well, y'all motherfuckers need to get healthcare so your grandmother can get a pussy check, but a motherfucking gynecologist, you know, Cardi B. And we, I was like, I don't, I don't, I've never heard Cardi B's music. Maybe we'll check out a little bit of Cardi B. And there was tits everywhere. And this is like top 40 film clip stuff. Why is it that you can't, you can show that? You can show that. That's fine. You know? Girls dancing around with their tits flopping around. Cardi B pretending to rap or sing or whatever the fuck it is she does. I'm not sure. I still don't know. Even having watched the film clip. But why is it that you can show that? But a mannequin, you can't show. You can't show. Like this, why are they blocking out where the vagina goes? Mannequins don't have vaginas. It's just a patch of plastic. <laughs> that doesn't make sense to me. This, mannequins don't have a vagina that you need to censor. There's nothing there. It's just a patch of plastic. There's no. There's nothing that even looks like a vagina. It's just blank plastic. Why are we censoring out blank plastic on mannequins? You, you, put on, you put on top 40 music, you see tits and people's calling each other nigger and stuff. That's fine. But for some reason, this guy's mannequins need to have their private parts blanked out when the private parts don't even fucking exist. The world is nuts. <laughs> I don't get it. I wasn't planning on making it being a big publicity stunt. <laughs> this peep show on Peterson Lane is Jason Windus's response to a city order to hack his brand new fence in half. I put this fence together for my dogs so that they had a place to run. As you see, I got a big dog. I got two of them. And they can just clear this fence no problem. But someone complained that the corner lot fence was blocking sight lines at the nearby intersection. If you want me to cut my fence down, now you get to see what's behind the fence. Does it make you feel uncomfortable? Um, I don't know. When does even <laughs> reserve a chair for the quote? Excellent, excellent, excellent response from the kid. Does it make you feel uncomfortable? Eh, I don't know. <laughs> he couldn't fucking give a fuck. <laughs> the kid couldn't care less. Kid could not care less. You know that they want the kid to go, yeah, it's very confronting and I don't want to see this and it's bad. There should be a court order to make him take the mannequin down. Does it make you feel uncomfortable? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> 
perfect level of enthusiasm from the young lad. Well done. Quote, nosy neighbour who complained. I like the, his style in time of adversity. He chooses humour. Windus runs a local moving company. The mannequins were left over from an old Holloway job. It was just a little joke. You know, it was a little like um, a lot of people would cop resentment and get very angry about having to cut their fence down. I throw a naked party in my yard. As for what the neighbors think now? <laughs> Not one negative response. Believe that? Now they're all taking selfies. <laughs> what a legend. I love it. And maybe the city will look at the ordinance again and perfect. change it. Otherwise, there might be a lot of these around. <laughs> this, see, this is the perfect. God, I love Americans sometimes. This is the perfect way to deal with, you know, government overreach. Government comes in and tells you that you don't have a right to build your own fence. Fine. Fine. I'll just stick a whole bunch of fucking naked mannequins in my yard. Fuck you. <laughs> now the city says fences on corner lots are limited to three feet so drivers at the stop sign can see oncoming cross traffic. Now they told us today they gave Windows two options. Either reduce the fence height in its current location or move it back 15 feet toward the home to allow for the, for the required setbacks. So, obviously, I mean, at least you so gave the have, city what they wanted. That's yeah. right. The fence. <laughs> so they got what they wanted, right? They have, they have to be able to see around the corner. Exactly. Now they're seeing a whole lot more, aren't they? Well, you know, in his defense, they weren't entirely naked. One was wearing a mask. <laughs> that's true. You're right. <laughs> they were. Huh. Huh. <laughs> I love those little weird, awkward parts on local TV where they're all trying to like pretend that something's funny when it's not. Excellent stuff. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that's it. We're done. Done for another week. I want to wish you all the best. Thank you so much for joining us. If you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you would like to send me pictures of your naked mannequins, then please censor out the part where the vagina would go normally and then send it to me on Twitter at Boogie Bumper. Um, next time I'll be on will be Trust and Verify Sunday night with the owner and CEO of TAVshow.com, James R. We'll be back with more podcasts next week, Monday to Thursday. Follow on YouTube if you prefer. Until then, guys, thanks so much. Thanks for everyone for joining, sharing. Hope you had a good time. Hope you have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday, however late it might be. Until next time, guys, stay calm, stay rational. God bless. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye.